0: Hello, and welcome to Media Evil, a medieval pop culture podcast, where we talk about how medieval and medieval-inspired movies, TV, and books depict the medieval world. What do they get right? What do they get wrong? And what do they tell us about how modern people see the medieval past? I'm Sarah Ifdecker, a medieval historian, and today I'm joined by two guests. I have Nicole Kalenich with her first appearance on this podcast, and Ollie Brady with his not first appearance on this podcast to talk about recent adaptation, The Green Knight, for the holiday episode because Green Knight is a Christmas movie. So first of all, uh, hello, Nicole, Ollie, welcome. Hello. Uh, I'm just so disgusted.
1: In- I'm relegated to second. What? Uh-huh. What's going on there?
0: Yeah,
2: it's just alphabetical. <laughs> <laughs>
1: fine
0: i mean ollie do you do you want to tell the listeners about yourself first in case any of them don't know who you are
1: i used to be on the podcast a lot and then sarah kicked me off so it's okay (laughs) i don't feel bitter about it at all and how it's much more successful now
2: whatever
0: (laughs) as a result of my coup Uh, and nicole would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners
2: Hello, I uh, live in the same city as Sarah, which is why I went to see this film with her and she is strong army into
0: being on the podcast. So hello. Exactly. <laughs> we got to firsthand and on a large screen <laughs> experience, uh, the most come I have ever actually seen in a studio film. <laughs>
2: Well, and the, the theater was mostly empty. So you and I are sitting next to each other. And then a man by himself decides to sit two seats away from you. Because of and course he does. Yeah, completely
0: empty theater. <laughs> Thanks, dude. And also like during COVID too. And it's like, you don't want to space yourself out a little bit. No, not at all. No. So today's film, The Green Knight, came out in 2021 and stars Dev Patel as Gawain, Sarita Choudhry as Morgan Le Fay. Ralph Ineson as the Green Knight, uh, Lisa Vikander as Essel slash the Lady, Joel Edgerton as the Lord, uh, and fun fact, he also played Gawain in the 2004 King Arthur. So I don't know, maybe that's significant. Oh. <clears throat> it means something. <laughs> Uh, it also has Sean Harris as King Arthur, and Kate Dickey as Guinevere, and once I remembered that she is indeed Lisa Aaron, the person who we meet breastfeeding her nine-year-old child. Yes. Oh, it's you the can't creepiest thing
1: it. in the world.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, and
2: I couldn't remember, I'm like, why is her face familiar? Like, I instantly disliked her, and I didn't know why, but this makes complete sense. Yes.
0: Yes. I'm like, why does she creep me out just like instinctively? And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's it. It was that. <laughs> right.
2: She's missing the nine-year-old breastfeeding. All right.
0: <laughs> it's a fun addition to the Guinevere story. So the first proper section, the enumeratio, or or I'm sorry, uh, Ollie, would you like to uh, into it, bring us in to our first proper section?
1: Enumeratio. <laughs> I've never done that with a guest before, Sarah. It's actually <laughs> actually more embarrassing.
0: So yes, he used to do that on every episode, and uh, now I have to not sing because I'm absolutely not doing that myself.
1: <laughs> I should have uh, put that clause into my contract when you bought me out.
0: You mean that I had to actually, uh, like edit in your singing.
1: yes but you had to put it (laughs) in so that people people Mm -hmm. wouldn't forget all you
0: yes we've got a creepy voice talking about Arthur and but then how this isn't about Arthur this is a different story we also have the first reference in the closed captioning to unsettling music that is playing and continuing to play if over the course of this film I had taken a shot every time it referred to unsettling music I would have died (laughs)
1: <laughs> um i right uh so i know I, I know sarah isn't necessarily big into video games By not necessarily big into video games i know she doesn't play them um she does not n- nicole time. Do, do you ever play
2: i played in high school and and now i'm i'm one of the many millions who just spends time relaxing on animal crossing yes
1: a, a fantastic game for for people um the music is so eerily reminiscent of Dark Souls soundtrack. absolutely. And it's just in the background and there's a a particular, particular, I I was going to say fingering, but that, you know, that's dodgy (laughs) words to be using. No, was coming out. (laughs) Yes, that
2: absolutely works.
1: Random little notes that just pop in that are identical to the Dark Souls soundtrack, a game that I have played a lot of. And it would just, every single time it would pop in, it would just get me. I'm like, oh, 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 this is, oh, oh, I'm okay, I'm okay. And like, like just when you're so on edge for that particular type of music, it's just such a fantastic thing to listen to. So yeah, I, I really enjoy it. Although it is ominous. Unsettling. And unsettling, yeah.
0: <laughs> we meet Gawain himself, who seems to be extremely hungover. And his prostitute girlfriend, Essel. I'm going to be honest. I cannot stand her. I absolutely can't stand her. She's clearly supposed to be charming. I don't think she's charming. I just don't like her. I just don't.
2: No, she didn't strike me as charming. She actually slid off my brain after the movie. I remember her more as the lady than I do as the prostitute.
1: In in real life or just the the character in the... Just
2: the character. Who I will add is not in the poem. Oh, so that's why you don't like her. It's not realistic.
0: (laughs) Exactly. it's a
1: different section Sarah we'll get to
0: uh,
1: <laughs> Veritas et falso later
0: but I just I just find all of her mannerisms vaguely unpleasant and when she's the lady she also has some off-putting ways of behavior but then it's kind of cool and eerie and here it's just irritating uh,
1: I don't like her haircut
0: I also don't like her haircut no same Yeah,
1: it's it's very um, playmobile like i was gonna say it's lego but it's not even as good as a lego haircut it's it's a a knockoff dutch version
0: (laughs) yeah so it's she just as a character is not working for me but she does manage to get gawain up in time to i guess go to church because it's christmas (laughs) yay merry christmas everybody
1: it's a it's a christmas movie of course Mm -hmm. um but the, the fact that it starts with him in a brothel on Christmas morning, you know, that's exactly how I remember my version of the Green Knight.
0: Just... <laughs> I was gonna say it's just exactly how you remember your Christmas morning.
1: <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> just just in there getting some Spanish small dishes. That's all I wanted to do <laughs>
2: No, I was just gonna say, you know how I have the game? Like I have the RPG for this that we all need to play. Uh I haven't oh, yes. up- I wonder if this starts at the brothel as well.
1: I hope
0: so, but yeah. <laughs> Even if it doesn't,
1: th- it will. It will, will
2: make it. The will. It will. It will now.
0: Yeah, but yeah, there is like ninety-nine percent more brothel in this movie than there is in the book. Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. <laughs> they, after the trip to church, Gawain then goes back home. His mother makes fun of him because he smells like he's been drinking all night. And he gets dressed up and he goes off to court where we get to meet King Arthur and listen to Arthur calling him Garwin for the rest of this movie.
1: Such a bizarre choice.
0: It's Um. very weird. But yeah, so Arthur is excited to spend some time chatting with him. Uh, And I need to point out also a line which was not apparent to me when I was watching this film in theaters, but that became very apparent to me because I'm 95 and I watch all movies with closed captioning, (laughs) that he described her, according to the closed captioning, I paused it and checked when saying, oh, you're my sister's son. He described Gawain as queefed from her womb.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean that's, said that's that, yeah, from her womb.
2: That's the technical term. I don't know why you're weird about it.
0: Just yeah, I, perfectly, I'm the perfectly code perfectly normal on this word. One. Yeah.
1: Like, it's not not how everyone describes everything that comes out of somebody? It, it exactly. was that's from you. that's
0: that's how I usually describe birth. Yeah, no, I'm just commenting on it that you know, I mean good for them. Good for I them. I don't even
1: I don't even describe just birth as that. Like the other day I was eating and um I got a shock and some food fell in my mouth and I was like oh my god I queefed a bit of that burger out like it's just it's just how I could describe anything that's yeah, removed from the human body
0: It's a perfectly normal word choice just just a perfectly normal word
1: Garwin, you've been queefed from my sister's womb
0: <laughs> good god so Arthur, I guess in the last like 30 years or however old he's supposed to be, has not bothered getting to know his nephew, but wants to now. So he asks him to tell him a tale of himself and Gawain basically says, there's nothing interesting about me. I have no tales to tell. But Guinevere says, yet, yet. You have no tales to tell yet. He will um, by the end of this movie. Yeah,
1: he says that. And the, like, what has he been doing? Um, apart from Alicia Vikander, but-
0: that. I think that Uh, yeah that's all he's been doing and because he's not a knight he wasn't there was a there's a war leader that they referred to that he was not involved in i think he's just been sitting around going to brothels and drinking too much and fucking alicia Icander.
1: so on on christmas day um as we all know famously king arthur definitely definitely celebrated christmas um when he brings him up to sit at the empty chair sarah whose chair is is that
0: was that lancelot's chair
1: well i was i was thinking lancelot then i was thinking it it could be mordred's
0: oh maybe well especially because they make a change in this film i'm sorry i can't not talk about all of the many many changes that this makes from the poem even though i'm going to get into more than a later section but because they make Gawain's mother, Morgan Le Fay, he, well, okay, but then also, all right, so Mordred and Gawain are actually both supposed to be the children of somebody named Morgos, but increasingly in modern Arthurian adaptations, they turn Morgos into, they kind of combine Morgos and Morgan, and so Morgan is both of their mothers, but Mordred does not exist in this, so he's like the sibling who is linked with this uh you know who is maybe kind of linked in this kind of questionable way because i feel like there is a sort of weird implication that maybe arthur is his father i i mean maybe i'm making that up but i don't understand why he's the heir
1: yeah that's what i was thinking as well when when he starts talking about how he didn't know him and he wishes he had gotten to know him and he's going to make up for it now and come and sit beside me at the table like it really does feel like a, you're the next person in line and yes. yeah
2: yeah I was just like why is he going to be the new king that was very confusing
0: yeah so my assumption is that it is hinting at like a sort of like a sort of replacing uh, him with Mordred and a sort of implication that he is actually Arthur's son but his mother isn't here for this because his mother is at home practicing witchcraft. That
1: also, fe- right, so obviously, because uh, she's billed as Morgan Le Fay, like, you know she's going to be doing a bit of the old witchcraftery as uh, as Morgan, uh, or Morgana, as I'm, I'm always going to insist on calling her, is, uh, is inclined to do. But it just felt like such a leap from... Grounded, we're in a brothel, we're going down to talk to a really old version of King Arthur. Also in the background, I'm doing proper magic and I'm magicking up a magic right now. Like it just feels (laughs) tonally weird.
0: Yeah, and it's also it's there's so much about this movie in general that is just aggressively not explained. And including that, like, there's bits of Arthur's speech that it seems like Morgan is actually mouthing the same thing. So it's like, is she, like, mind-controlling Arthur? Like, what is this whole situation?
1: Yeah, no, I agree, Sarah. It's just this weird, like, what's going on here? Is, is this, a, like, what I originally had thought was that this was Dev Patel starting to tell a story. Mm. And that mm. everything that happened from that point forward was him coming up with a story because Arthur says like just before the green Knight shows up, anybody sitting around this table, tell me a story, whether it's true or not. Like to mm. keep me entertained on this Christmas morning. So I was taking this to be like a made up story that Dev, I keep saying that Gerwin was uh, <laughs> telling, but it doesn't seem like it seems to be like we're supposed to take this at face value that the that Morgana uh, or Morgan Le Fay set this up.
0: Yes. Yeah,
2: Rich she seems has obsessed with, just yeah, Richard. but it's confusing to me because I'm like, okay, she really wants him there. She's very specific about it, but then the magic she's doing just not seems to not be at all in his in his
0: favor. I have no idea what her motivation is. Yeah,
2: literally none. <laughs> like, i was like oh she's doing magic i'm like this doesn't seem to be helping him i don't
0: know what the point of this is it's making his life considerably worse
2: right unless she's just like uh it, it's like somebody who's still living with their parents at 30 and she's like let me teach you a lesson so you get your life together <laughs> get the fuck out of my house we, we want
1: you to move out just,
0: please get out yeah. of my basement it's a very elaborate spell
2: you- to to get rid of her adult son <laughs>
1: You're, you're working at the piggly wiggly all next year. Get down and get down and, and take your job now. <laughs> okay, mom. Don't worry about
0: it.
1: I get a car.
0: So his job is not in fact a pig at a piggly wiggly. It involves a figure called the Green Knight, who in this version is basically a tree dude. And played by, yeah. played by
1: Ralph Innocent. Um, yes. who We've talked about before, Sarah. He's in. Uh, he's in First Night as. Uh, yes, he's
0: as the bad the, guy, the, right?
1: Uh, no. Um, oh yeah, yeah, he is. No, he's 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 the guy. That started. his name's Ralph. Yeah, he's one of the bad guys. He's not the main right. guy. He's, yeah, he's one yeah. of them. Um, and then like he's also head head in, head head. in. He's also in the version of Robin Hood, uh, the mm. Ridley Scott version. That's your favorite movie, and <laughs> uh, and. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if anyone's ever watched the british version of the office mm-hmm. but he's yeah. david brent's best buddy like the the traveling uh, salesman, Oh yeah, he's yeah, yeah. that's yeah. who he is so like he's an institution in in over here like yeah like ralph innocent is in so many movies so many tv shows that i've watched over the years and he's always good like he's always compelling and i think he's very good in this
0: he's got a minor bit in game of thrones too He's, uh, I think he's, yeah, Dagmer Cleftjaw is, I think, his name.
1: <laughs> what an awesome Dagmer name. Cleftjaw. Um,
0: I think he's maybe he's in, one of the uh, he, Iron Islands people.
1: He's in Harry Potter as well? In, in the yeah, last two Yeah, he's the
0: Caro brother. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he normally seems to play somebody who is a bad guy.
1: Well, he's, like, six foot four, built like yeah. a tank. And his voice is distinctively deep and menacing mm-hmm. or I'll get you
0: <laughs> yeah no I think he's good so and he delivers his message which is also it's all very very clear right that this is all being like that he is being like completely controlled essentially by Morgan. and so he delivers his message in the form of a letter but instead of just speaking it's that he like hands over the letter and then Guinevere reads it, but then it like comes out of her mouth as this like creepy man's voice, which I guess is actually, I assume, Ralph Inneson's voice.
1: No, it's oh. uh, it's Dave Lowry, the director's voice and his wife's voice. Oh, so it's oh, a combination of a male and female voice. And oh, that's uh,
0: fascinating.
1: And I'm not sure why they went with, <laughs> with that route, because it would make more sense for it to be uh, Sarita Chowdhury and Ralph Inneson's voice. Yeah.
0: But I guess that would be a giveaway if everybody recognized her voice. Her
1: voice as well. Like when, yeah. when she speaks later no, on just... as the creature she turns into, like mm-hmm. I, immediately I was like, oh, 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 well that's what that thing has been doing Ryan. this last 25 minutes of Ryan. unexplained reason for it to be there.
0: <laughs> yep. So he is there to invite the Bravest of the Knights to a friendly, just normal Christmas game. This is how I assume assume Christians celebrate their holidays. Uh, You know, this, this seems like just what people do on Christmas, that somebody should attempt to land a blow on him and that then they will bind himself to seek out the Green Knight in the Green Chapel in one year and allow himself to be struck in return. Arthur initially is like, I guess I can do it. And then is like, actually I am too decrepit for this. (laughs) And Gawain volunteers, um, which in the context of the film seems clearly like him making up for the fact, right? That he has nothing to tell about himself, that he has no stories, that he is uh, essentially kind of creating a story about himself by volunteering to do this.
1: And do you think think his mother intended for him to be the one who volunteers? Or did the mother actually want King Arthur to do it so that King Arthur would know he's gonna die a year later and you know have to get his affairs in order or something? Because- Oh, that's
0: a good question. Like, that would make it make more sense. She didn't like, seem like she was horrified at what happened. True, yeah, yeah. Cause she seems, she seems very kind of pleased with the whole situation, right? Well, like maybe she seems it did to be like this is what happened. Maybe
2: she was like, Yeah, I'm gonna tell Arthur he's gonna die in a year, but also my lazy son now has a year to figure out what he's gonna do with his life. So win-win. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's just the reason the Please reason leave. I was thinking Please it leave. might it might not have been the plan for Gorin to do this is because of what happens directly afterwards with the sash and mm. making this because that seems like it was an afterthought. And if she'd been expecting this to happen, she she might not necessarily or maybe she just wasn't expecting go in to do the absolutely stupid thing he does in this scene. well well,
0: yeah it's like wait you've shown no initiative in your entire life why are you suddenly showing it now god damn it
1: (laughs) i was getting rid of the king so you could just move in but no now you have to go fight a green knight
0: so the fight happens, which essentially is that the Green Knight lays down his axe and the axe basically has like, like creates moss, essentially, that like moss kind of spins out from all of the places in the ground where he is and that are touching the axe. And, uh, you know, Gawain is skeptical of what is happening here, but uh, as the Green Knight bends his head, but finally says, Ugh, fine, and goes ahead and strikes it off and starts Nicole. yelling about how cool he is. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, Nicole, when you were watching this, what did you think when you saw Sir in? he's not even Sir Gawain, he's not a knight yet, uh, yeah. cutting the head off when he's told specifically, whatever you do to me, I'm going to do the exact same to you in a year. I mean, and honestly,
2: he, when he did it, I was like, what a dumb asshole. Like that's <laughs> all I immediately thought.
1: It just makes no sense whatsoever. He's told it's a game. He's told exactly yeah. what the parameters of the game is and he still cuts the head off. The green Knight.
2: It's it's like you're like, oh, if you do something to me, I'll do it back to you. I just set you on fire. Yeah, I'm like, that's fine.
0: You're right. It's like give him give him like a light cut on the shoulder.
2: Yeah. But it, it's be like cool. Up. See you anywhere. Well, and especially when he's like, never forget what happened here. I'm like, what happened? An idiot made a stupid <laughs> choice, and we all got to watch it.
1: It's just such a bizarre thing for him to. To cut the head and the, the head comes off it's like a, a, a delightfully brutal scene um, well, yeah uh blood sprays it's like collecting in places and it's like oh this is cool and then the night stand or like the green knight stands up with its head cut off picks up its head
0: <laughs> so tells good. never
1: forget and then just heads out the door as you do
0: I would like to note, related to future content in this movie, that uh, there is a specific term uh, in Greek, cephalophor, which means head carrier, which typically refers to saints who are depicted as carrying their own severed heads, but it also applies to the Green Knight.
1: I mean, Sarah, you don't have to explain the Greek to myself and Nicole. We... (laughs) <laughs> like, but thank you for, for telling the, uh, the listeners at home, what That's Cephal exactly. means. means. Um,
0: exactly. Yeah. For the listeners, uh, making sure that they've, uh, they've got their Greek. So yeah. Uh, and he strides out laughing maniacally as he goes and everybody just kind of awkwardly claps, which I love.
1: It's such a genuinely weird scene. Like it's a movie full of, it's oh, right. So, uh, I know I've said this to you, sir. Um, my best friend worked in this right he was second assistant mm-hmm. director and our second unit assistant director i think is maybe with the, the, the exact title so i don't want to come across like i'm being mean to tj tj you know i love you you're my boy but there's so much of this movie is so pretentious and has yeah, its yeah. head really? firmly <laughs> yeah. lodged up its own backside that this idea of are you unsettled because of the music and because of what you just <laughs> saw are you unsettled <laughs> yet well don't worry we're gonna unsettle you some more
0: it's, maybe you it's know, working so hard to make us unsettled
2: do you remember the did anyone see the trailer for this before it came out because that was a real yeah. big glitch. I was like "Ooh, this is gonna be like 80s style really great return to fantasy there's like shades of like labyrinth and things like that it was very excited and then i'm sitting there i'm like there's three pages of dialogue in this entire movie and i'm just supposed to be blown away by like the things i'm seeing on screen i'm like i could be home
0: right now yeah and it's just like it's just eerie visual after eerie visual and it just it feels like it's just trying so hard to be like look symbolism
2: yeah i'm an artistic film and i was like yeah i get it i'm i'm not an (laughs) idiot thank you
0: it's deep
1: guys it's deep
0: it's deep. Yeah. And it, it's trying so hard to be deep, but none of it actually feels like it means anything or makes any sense. Well, and then, you know, I've heard
2: they're like, well, the Green Knights, like the Greenmen, um, which is part of Celtic tradition, also known as the Holly King. And, you know, he dies so that the Oak King can take over for spring and the cycle repeats. And I'm like, OK, so just so many layers of symbolism because we just can't understand, you know, what's exactly in front of us. You need to spell it to me in a thousand different ways.
1: Sarah, and or it's also Nicole, like, I wish you had said that because you just reminded me it's my goddamn year to kill the Holly King. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's, just another it thing to yeah, do. it's
0: coming up. It's coming up.
1: Oh, it's January. I have to do it. Like, ah, oh, <laughs> it
0: And it's also <sighs> just like, even when I find the symbolism interesting, and much of it is stuff that I find interesting because it is like referring to medieval things, and I'm like, ooh, that's fun. Mm-hmm. But even when I find the symbolism interesting, the symbolism seems to really not actually be there in service of a narrative. It seems like the narrative is kind of half-heartedly there to provide a justification for the layers of symbolism. Yes. Which is ultimately not super successful. The year passes. (laughs) <laughs> it's just it's that's a joke pretty cut.
2: much how it is in the movie <laughs> the year passes watch some puppets and then boom we're back yeah well there's
0: seven. yeah there's this thing that's like a too quick year and then we see various things that happen he spends he chats with Essel because they have to make us look at her again he gets drunk somebody calls his mother a witch they fight he chats with Arthur Arthur's like you know you actually have to like leave and do this and he's like I thought you loved me fake dad <laughs> Basically. I,
1: what, what i think is weird about it is uh somebody calls his mother a witch and he's like grumpy and actually like weird about it his mother is a witch she's quite yeah. clearly a witch she's doing everything a witch would do <laughs> and like unless gwyn has his head again buried between those firm butt cheeks of his how does he not spot that his mother's clearly a witch
2: he could clearly his be mother... an idiot you know he his could mother... actually be an idiot
0: Yeah, very shortly after he beats up somebody or tries to for saying his mother is a witch, his mother gives him a girdle that she says, I made it with magic so that nothing will happen to you and you don't die. You know, I made this with magic like a witch would do.
1: Yeah, this no, no ill can be can befall you as long as it is uh, around your waist grin right? and he's like and it's, it's, oh, yeah. well, it's like Grant. the lie nice. of
2: i made this with love you know he just
0: thinks it's a lie <laughs> he's like oh mom that's sweet that's just great <laughs> 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 it also doesn't even work by the way so you know anyway
1: well it, it i mean does it not work
0: okay i'm going to argue that the this is getting ahead, but in the, sea, in the bit in the woods with the brigands, I'm going to argue that if the belt actually did anything, they shouldn't have been able to like trap him and get it off him in the first place.
2: I mean, I don't think, well, I mean, okay, a seatbelt only works as long as you know I'm not doing the stupidest things that I can in my car. You know, <laughs> the seatbelt can't stop me from doing things. <laughs> so I consider it like that. It's preemptive. But, okay, that's know, fair. The magic only goes so far. It's not sentient.
1: I don't know, Nicole, Uh, I was in my car driving today while making some waffles and uh, don't ask why. And uh, and I accidentally uh, slipped in uh, some of the waffle batter and put my hand onto the hot waffle iron. Didn't even get burned. And I put it down to the fact I was wearing a seatbelt.
2: So, (laughs) you know, argument just for the
1: record, anyone who's listening, I wasn't. That that was a made up story. I don't have a waffle iron in my car. (laughs)
2: Like I have shocked. a panini
0: press, shocked. it's different. I thought every <laughs> I thought press everybody so in. good. Doesn't everybody in Ireland have a waffle iron in their car? I'm gonna uh, start I'm gonna start creating this stereotype now.
1: Well, if we did, we wouldn't call it a waffle iron anyway. We'd say waffle maker. Like we wouldn't we wouldn't try and make it sound cooler.
0: So Gawain's got his girdle. He gets some other fun stuff. Uh, And I will say actually the kind of detailed, like everybody like handing him things and him like getting ready to go and he gets a cool shield and all of that. The details are different, but the kind of concept of the attention to this is very much taken from the book. And the prayer that Guinevere says is that like of the like five things and all of that, that's actually is also basically taken from the book.
1: no. The next scene, the the, the one directly following this, is the first scene that genuinely annoyed me in the movie, right? And it's him leaving the city on a Mm -hmm. horse, and he's riding the horse down uh, a dusty white road. Um, So I'm assuming it's meant to be sand or some sort of chalk on it. And there's some kids running behind him. And that scene felt like it took several days of my life Uh, (laughs) there's no reason for like we watch him literally walk a horse for two and a half to three minutes so long And
0: then, yeah, I don't know. But, uh, you know, I will say that scene, though, paled in comparison for me to the next scene, which is then he's like fingering this bell that he got from his prostitute girlfriend. And then he like thinks back to this like whole like meeting with her where she apparently is like, oh, like you want to like marry me and make me your queen. And I'm just like, no, no, this isn't how it works. Are you stupid? Well, I mean, he basically tells
2: her, I can't make a hoe into a housewife. He's like, I
0: need a real lady, not you. Yeah, which like, that's how things work. It's the, I don't know what century this is supposed to be. Let's just say in terms of the creation of the poem, let's just say the early 15th. Like, no, you know, as an early 15th century prostitute, you know, the guy who is going to probably be the next king. He's not marrying you, lady. No, no, no one's that dumb.
1: What Nicole said there was he basically tells her. And if I'm remembering it correctly, he doesn't tell her anything. She's, <laughs> she says a bunch of things about what he might do. And I was hoping you'd say this. And would you ask me to be your queen? And he just sits there silently.
0: Yeah, like, exactly. He's like, I'm the not going S- Exactly. Yes, because he's not going to say, I can't make a hoe into a housewife with his words because he feels bad saying that but he's also not going to lie to her, which I will be honest, I respect.
2: I mean, respect, typical fuckboy, you know? Like, I'm not going to say that we're not dating, but I'm never going to tell you what's actually going on so that you can keep reading into this.
1: Is it,
3: with that, yeah, with but with the class...
1: Does that be called a fuckboy, Nicole? <laughs> yes. Okay.
0: <laughs> but, okay, but it's that I do actually think that given the, like, class realities here... He knows what the deal is. She should know what the deal is if she's not a fucking idiot. I don't think that he, like, I don't actually think, I think that he is actually not being particularly unclear about what the dynamic is. The dynamic is like, we will have sex and I like you, but obviously I can never marry you. I'm see. i going to be the king of England or whatever.
1: Up until the first scene, uh, I would assume that he had been acting under the assumption that he wouldn't be king at any stage. Mm-hmm. So he probably was saying to her, you know, oh, you know, w- we could be together and I love spending time with you and you're my number one hoe, and um, <laughs> et etc. et cetera. But then as soon as Mammy organizes this for him,
3: mm.
1: it's like, well, sorry, love, you're out the door. I'm, I'm moving on with somebody else. Uh, not that we know who this other person is but yet um, but it's just it's the fact that he doesn't respond to those questions and she still seems kind of hopeful at the end
0: like no no what do you think
1: is going to happen
2: I wonder if he's her only client customer it really doesn't seem like she is working with anyone else I mean is she a whore because it seems like she's just his girlfriend
0: I mean she's living at a brothel <laughs>
1: Um, maybe but she's I mean, the we've, madam we've all done that from time to time sir exactly <laughs> hey maybe
0: maybe she's the madam in this problem oh,
1: maybe, maybe she's what, what no wait what did it call it bottom bitch is that what they say
0: <laughs> is that what they call it is
1: that is that not what the, the the number one like so not the madam but like the number one prostitute who keeps the other ones in line
0: oh i don't know i have no idea what that's called
1: okay so i'm gonna cut that out when i'm editing this just in case but i'm (laughs) i've cut this out as well i'm i'm almost certain it's they refer to them as the bottom bitch so it's like as in the one that you can rely on who who keeps it a steady shape if that makes sense so they're they might Hmm. be they're the one you can rely on so they're like the base the foundation of your whole empire (laughs) Hmm. don't ask me why i know this (laughs)
2: Well, I hope that's true. And that that's her job. I'm Googling it. I don't see
0: anything.
1: <laughs> I, will, I will find out where I find that from, but it's okay. definitely. I've definitely heard that phrase.
0: Please don't cut that out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make it so you can't cut it out because I'm just going to refer to her as uh, the bottom All bitch right. for the rest of the episode. Okay, wait a minute.
2: Uh, misogyny alert. It's not bottom bitch. It's bottom girl. Okay, Ooh. no. In oh.
1: fairness, when I heard it, I'm fairly certain it was in a movie.
2: No, you're all right. It says "bottom girl," "bottom woman," or "bottom bitch" is a term oh. for a prostitute who sits atop the hierarchy of prostitutes working for a particular pimp.
0: See, and that I think "bottom girl" cool. is actually yeah. And I think "bottom girl" is actually the most misogynist because she is an adult woman. Excuse me.
2: Is she though? <laughs> is she? Does I mean, she? This woman go? isn't. But What's the pimp like, come back to me when you're 18. I can't use you. Oh God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Kween finally escapes these children his prostitute girlfriend and leaves and sees a fox, sees a whole lot of corpses and he comes across the worst young man I have ever seen or encountered in my entire life. Just one look at him and I know, I just know instinctively this person is garbage. They are garbage. Do not listen to them. Do not talk to them. Run away.
2: Oh, and I'm pretty sure That's when Williams he came up on idiot. screen, I looked at you and I'm like, oh, I hate that guy. Every movie he's he in, I absolutely cannot stand him. Yeah.
1: Yes. He's in Eternals, right? Yes. And uh, as Druig, uh, you know, because he can't do accents, so he has to sound Irish. Um, but I have, I have a genuine problem with the actor, right? Uh, and it's the same problem I have with Saoirse Ronan in that they cannot pronounce their own name <laughs> and insist on pronouncing it incorrectly. Circe Ronan, she she goes on interview panel shows and all this sort of stuff and goes, Saoirse. Her name is not Shersha. It, it, Shersha is an Irish word. It's Georgina. Her name is spelled Saoirse, an Irish word, which means freedom. Barry Keegan is that guy's name. The second name, Keegan, very common, incredibly common Irish second name. And he's the only person I've ever seen in my life who calls himself Keohan.
2: I mean, that's just like the American habit of, okay, I'll give you an an example. A friend of mine was in charge of a call center and she was taking a reservation for a hotel. And the lady kept saying Deborah, Deborah, Deborah. And she's like, okay, can you spell that for me? And she just spelled the word Deborah. She just spelled the name (laughs) Deborah, but she just (laughs) chose to say it that way. So I feel like it's that particular you know, I need to be extra special. So let me just, let me just pronounce it the way I want to. Like if I pronounce my, if I was like, hello, my name is Nikolai even though it's spelled Nicole.
0: So weird.
1: And also Ugh. he, he can't not be a creepy little bastard. Like.
0: His no, he face is face so punchable. Yeah.
2: I just want to hit him with a brick every time I see his face.
1: And yeah, apparently, immediately. Apparently he's one of the like next big things in Hollywood.
2: Next big things for me to throw, you know, my shoe in <laughs> if I see him in person. Hey, and it's okay. so good to me. And it's this is what gets me. You would never allow a woman as ugly as him to be anywhere near Thank the you. levels
0: of his career. Thank you.
2: Like I'm supposed to be into him in some way, but like you would never allow a woman who wasn't perfect to be in the same sort of situation.
0: I'm also increasingly really upset because I did not know that he was the person who played that character in Eternals. And I just listened to an entire podcast where they talked some non-spoiler stuff about the Eternals and where they kept talking about how hot the guy who plays Druid yes. was. What and a now lie. I'm so upset. I'm so upset. I've never been this, this upset before in my life. Well,
2: and I haven't seen it yet either, but they're like, oh, the real love story is with him and someone else. I'm like, I don't want to see nope. him in a love nope. story. It's oh, a- no, you. no.
1: In fairness, that is a cute love story between them. But it's um,
2: oh, it's going to be hard.
1: He's he's legitimate. He, he's a bit of a dick. But the only one of the other eternals that he's actually really nice to is her. And she can't communicate, she can't speak. So she, she uses sign language. And he's the only one who seems to actively sign language back to her.
2: I love that they've been a, around for year. thousands of years, and the other ones are like, Yeah, I'll get around
1: for <laughs> Oh, they're, they're, the rest of the Eternals are also quite nice. <laughs> but what, what gets me about him is uh he like he has topped like sexy actor polls and stuff like this. Ugh. And what? he's not even the sexiest Irish actor no. who has randomly showed up in stuff in the last few years because that's Robert Sheehan like Robert Sheehan from Umbrella Academy like I'm as, as straight as it's possible to get and yeah he's
2: sexy I'm yeah. fairly
1: certain I would Looking. bang uh, Robert Sheehan
2: he has like swagger have you ever watched Misfits he was on there as well oh yeah he's great oh yeah Misfits. he's hot it yeah. Yeah, and then there's something about like the way you care, and that would be that would be different because there's a way where you're not really attractive, but the way you care yourself makes you attractive. Mm-hmm. That also does not exist with Barry. No. Yeah. No. It's not in the no, band. Not He that looks that like he be should be
1: slapped by everybody.
2: Absolutely. He looks like the poor man's Ramsey Bolton. So, so our new podcast is just going to be <laughs> just negging this man for an hour a week.
1: I don't yeah. see. I don't even consider this negging. I think yeah, this is this constructive is just, <laughs> this criticism. Is
0: truth. This is true just accurate just like I mean you it's not liable if it's true yeah just saying pronounce your
1: name properly and stop being so unattractive to Nicole like that's (laughs) what you need to do Barry Keegan
2: not
0: just me but millions of
2: women around (laughs) me
0: also also me also me it's like just just okay you know I don't care that he's not attractive just don't pretend you are attractive
1: there you go also just for for the listeners at home how dare you lie to us for the listeners at home it's okay to be unattractive. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to judge you. I love you anyway. Sarah Sarah and Nicole do not like like you.
2: It's okay to be unattractive, but how dare you pretend that you're not?
0: I feel like I'm being gaslit, honestly, (laughs) by people who are trying to convince me this man is attractive. So unlike us, Gawain is a fucking idiot. So when this guy gives him directions and then is like a dick about not getting enough money for them, he's like, yeah, this seems trustworthy. And that's why he gets attacked and robbed in the woods like a fucking idiot.
1: It's so, like, I just don't get Gawain at this point. Um, uh, Nicole, have you ever watched the BBC, Marilyn?
2: Um, Just an episode or so. I never really got into it.
1: Sarah. Oh, it's a real experience. It's a real experience. But like Sexy Gwyn.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, in, um, in Maryland is incredibly competent. Yes. They decided and, to
2: go the other way.
1: And they decided to go into let's make him everything that's not lightly virtuous. And that's not really to the essence of of the, the original story.
0: No, I mean he's young and he has and like and he has a conflict, right? But he's not just the fucking worst. He's yeah. not deeply dishonorable and incredibly stupid and incompetent.
1: But that's what he is in this, and it's it's just yes. such a weird thing because Gwyn is always one of those characters. Uh, as long as you're not in the wheel of time, where Gwyn is the worst, um, but. <laughs> He's always one of those characters that I've kind of enjoyed. Like I kind of like the yeah. way most things portray him. And it's, I feel like Lowry has gone out of his way to make him unlikable. And it's weird because they've cast somebody that I genuinely enjoy watching.
0: Yeah. I feel like the only reason his character is at all tolerable is because just Dev Patel is charming. 100%. Yeah.
1: That's, that's it. Yeah. Dev Patel, lovely guy really talented actor and he's making me like this version of Gwen. whereas I really shouldn't like he's just a douche
0: yeah (laughs) so they take the girdle which you know didn't do his job apparently they take all of his other stuff they leave him tied up in the woods time passes he dies and low unsettling music plays or did he or did he because then it starts over, and it turns out that he's wriggling over to his sword and manages to use it to cut the rope. Uh, my mom is actually convinced that he does die here, and that the rest of the movie is like his what he is imagining while he's dying.
1: It, what I think has happened in this scene uh, is not that he's died. We so he's shown lying next to a tree, and then they show another corpse mm-hmm. that was in the exact same position and tied up in the same way. So we're like he needs to try and find a way to escape so he's mm. he yeah
3: so he knows what's well.
1: going to happen so that's so that's what i think happens there and that he goes so what i thought he was going to do was crawl over on his belly and use like a broken bone from that body to cut himself free but no he crawls over to the conveniently still sharp sword which is sitting there
0: why did they leave his sword there
1: I mean, Barry Keegan, he could do anything. Like you, know, you can't trust that lad. Stupid. Lad.
0: <laughs> everybody's everybody's so dumb. So anyway, he gets his cloak, he gets his sword, he calls for the horse. The horse doesn't show up. But he runs off. And now we get into his meeting with Saint Winifred. He, to more unsettling music, enters a mystery house in the woods goes to sleep and is woken up by a woman asking what are you doing in my bed and he you know apologizes and all that and then she hits him with the big reveal that well actually I'd like your help finding something that I have lost what I have lost specifically is my head which is not in fact on my neck as you might think by looking at me but in this spring and she tells the story that there is a Lord who came seeking shelter. He tried to rape her and then cut off her head and threw it into the spring. So, and she, he jumps in and he gets her head and uh, brings it back. The, well, it's, it's like initially a skull and then it turns into a head and it kind of chats at him for a while. It tells him the green knight is somebody he knows. He puts the head back. It's a skull again. I guess he's fixed things. That's nice. It, this so this is
1: where the movie basically lost me and i'm all for symbolism and stuff and saint winifred uh, a legitimate saint if you mm-hmm. know, consider anybody who's a saint really legitimate but um so it was a real saint this is a real story that went around that she was beheaded by a lover who she rejected and um then another saint came along and found her severed head and reattached it and she was back to life, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, And she, she's the patron saint of like life bringing and stuff like this. Right. But he is talking to a ghost person who tells him she's dead. He jumps into the lake, pulls out a head, throws it on the ground and the head starts talking to him and he does not react. There's, there's no reaction. This is it's like but this, is, this is the
0: second time yeah. that a head has talked to him in the last year. So I guess this is not weird anymore.
2: But his mom is not a witch.
0: Yeah. No. Is, this is what morally. I mean. It's, <laughs> yeah.
2: it's just
1: such a bizarre. He's, he's so calm about it. He's having this chat with it. Um, he's reattaching the head. Uh, even at one stage he goes to touch his touch her shoulder before he's reattached the head. She's like, Don't touch me. Said, so, oh you should know better than to touch me. Why would he know better? Is this like something like I, I get that the, the, the novel is about the chivalric code, but does a chival- does the, the code of chivalry say if you happen to come into the embodiment of a dead saint uh who needs their head to be reattached to and can return to life, don't touch them.
0: Yeah, of course it says that. Why wouldn't it say that? Yeah.
1: Uh, on, did man. you did you? come across them in the woods then you must uh, drink three times from the ladle of life but if you come across them in their house you must dive into it. like it's just such a weird thing that she acts like the rules are, have been established for him and he doesn't react with horror when he sees a head t- talking to him and yet the same guy is terrified of the tree robbers who rob him like he's basically about to pee himself
0: See, I'm fine with that because the three robbers are actually a threat. The headless woman seems perfectly nice, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and she's played by the girl who plays Empress Nest in uh, Solo.
0: Yes, yeah, I think mean, yeah, I really she's like her. She was my about. favorite part of this movie.
2: Yeah, I was like, I felt more for her than I did for the prostitute, like even a little Gawain.
0: bit. Gawain, yeah, or yeah, not Gawain, or, now, or, exactly. Gawain, or, or really anybody else, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, most interesting, most relatable, to be honest. Because also, like, I I just love, and I just love her. Like, I love her acting too. Because also, at some point, Gawain is like, "If I go and get your head, well, uh, what will you give me for it?" And she just looks at him and she goes, "Why would you ask me that? Why would you ever ask me that?" And, I, and she's hilarious. I love her.
1: Yeah, I, I just I was laughing there to myself because it sounded like you were about to go. I love her aura. I, I love her energy. <laughs>
0: I do, I
2: do, I love her. She just has really great
1: vibes. (laughs) She's just, she's in that that, that house in the woods, that creepy house in the woods, uh, just vibing on her own, waiting for somebody to come and save her.
0: Yeah, well, but she, but I think it's questionable if she actually needs him to save her as opposed to it being kind of a test. I don't know.
2: So just more emotional labor on the part of a woman. To help a man, well, yeah. is that
0: what you're saying? Which is yeah. Which is what all of the women in this movie are doing. Which I have thoughts about.
1: To be yeah. honest, I'm kind of appreciating the fact that it's reverse fridging. Um, it's like, <laughs> in order to further this character's plot, he has to take a woman's head out of the fridge and put it back together.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think she is excellent. But I will say, so okay, at this point we're like an hour through it through this movie. Approximately 10 minutes of this movie have involved things that happened in the poem.
1: Oh, just a quick did you say we're an hour into the movie?
0: Yes, yeah.
1: Oh, it felt like several weeks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I also just laughed my ass off at the fact that after this whole scene, there's just a like the, the there's a bunch of you know text that pops up and it just says an interlude. And I just said out loud, I'm sorry, now there's an interlude? Wasn't that already an interlude?
1: An interlude, Sarah, is what pops up. And then he's got an axe and a fox companion. Um,
0: Yeah,
1: you know. Where where did these come from?
0: Well, The fox just starts following. We see where the axe, the axe was in the house after he gave her head back.
1: That's what I'm saying is the axe was just there in the house. The fox, when he comes out to dive into the water, there's just this fox looking at him. Yeah. And then it decides to follow him. a CGI fox, by the way. Like they couldn't even train up a real fox to do these things. Um, <laughs> t- such low production values, T.J. Duffy. Um, but uh, and then the axe is just in the house. Yeah. What? Dev Patel, uh, sir, so go in or not, sir? Yet, just go in. Doesn't doesn't flinch at this? Oh, oh yeah. There's the uh, there's a green Knight's axe just sitting in this house. Yes guess i'll carry it with me
0: it's his reward for getting her head back (sighs) i don't know makes perfect sense (laughs) the only part of this movie that makes sense
1: then we get to an interlude sarah does that interlude just involve a really long scene of him walking through various fields
0: and then yeah he walks the giant oh he eats uh he eats some hallucinogenic mushrooms briefly so that happens and then he
2: watches all of those um giants walking past and i was like i don't care about any of this that's all i was no.
1: thinking. like what do you think those those giants are meant to be symbols of
0: i mean i think that it's that there's one line in the book that says gawain saw some giants and then they're like oh we're gonna have the giants
1: yeah that's that's pretty much what i thought like it's just for for people listening, if you haven't watched the movie, like uh, later on, spoiler Alert, I'm going to recommend watching it. It's 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 a fun yeah. diversion for two hours and twenty seven minutes of your life. Um, it's two just ten. <laughs> two ten. Uh, well, I was watching the credits. Um, but it, it this literally this from when it says interlude until he gets to the next location, it really is just scenes of him walking through various fields.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: And it feels like it goes on forever.
2: Yes. I believe I leaned over to Sarah and I was like, so this is just happening in real time.
1: That's the- what it and felt I, like.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think I also was absolutely that person who leaned over and whispered to you at this point, none of this is really in the book. <laughs>
2: right? And then I got up and left the theater. No.
1: <laughs> I was I was thinking that when he finally got to the Green Knight, the Green Knight would say to him, you're a week late mate. Like, <laughs> you, you, you were supposed to be here on Christmas Day it's the 2nd of January you've been just <laughs> dawdling walking through fields forever oh, It's just needlessly long travelogue and it also so he saw some giants yeah they but don't they do anything redo- by the way just in case you're listening oh, no. they, they, don't.
0: They... they kind of sing at him okay.
2: I don't even remember that
0: yeah they so, sing at him
1: what do they sing sir
2: yeah, can just you some... uh, jog my memory and recreate
0: it? It's just a, like, oh, kind of like that.
1: Oh, it's kind of like a, <laughs> you know. Like a, kind of a trope singing. And I, I remember yeah. now, they're like,
0: Despazito.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much.
0: Yeah, so, you know, they kind of sing at him. Oh, one tries to, like, reach out. And so first he's like, hey, could you, like, let me ride on your shoulder? And then they just kind of look at him. And then one of them tries to pick him up. And then he cowers because he's a fucking whip. So that happened. That's a thing that happened.
1: Yeah, he's he's afraid.
3: Hmm. So finally, reaches... afraid of an eighty-foot tall
0: person. Oh, how dare! What a dumbass.
1: I wouldn't have been so, afraid of him. I'd have been like, "Yeah, pick me up, put me on your shoulder, and <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't be hasty and trying to get me to the green knight. I definitely don't want to go anyway." <laughs> <laughs> So he finally reaches this castle at which point uh we do finally at uh, one hour in embark on the sea, the uh plot that is 90 percent of the original poem um and that is that so he gets to this castle he's got a, a lord and a lady who are hanging out in the castle they tell him or he tells him initially that it's you know it's december 21st you're good the green chapel is like right near here you know we can just we can just chill for a few days he meets the lady who is also alicia vikander which is i guess means something
1: i took <laughs> what it what it means to mean that he saw a woman and just taught to himself she looks like essel uh, and that he, he's paying so little attention to her that she looks like Essel to him. It's just a brown haired woman that looks like Essel. It's fine. They all look the same to him, if that makes sense. Like there's no, it, it, there's no just dis- nothing distinctive about this woman. She just reminds him of Essel. So she looks like
0: Essel. My interpretation is actually that because his mother has basically set all of this stuff in motion, his mother has actually like made her look like essel to make her him more to make her more tempting to him
1: yeah well number one the mother has a good eye because this version of Alicia Vikander is far more attractive exactly her, yes. she doesn't like, what have if you're a
0: prostitute girlfriend but way hotter
1: it's, it's like it's like that girl you like but we gave her a good haircut and a wash
0: yeah <laughs> she's got a real deep v it's very flattering <laughs> So, yeah, they uh, there also is, just by the way, just hanging out like at various places, never acknowledge or mentioned just this blindfolded woman. Don't worry about it.
2: The blindfolded well, that's women. Of, that's part of their kink, you know? Like, yeah. That's yeah. Just, <laughs> she has to be in the room at all times. Just don't talk to uh-huh. her. So. Yeah, don't, don't acknowledge
0: the blindfolded woman.
1: Don't look at her. She's there to wipe up afterwards. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh that really i'm assuming to
0: not give her a chance to do that job
1: <laughs> i'm am assuming that's the mother's avatar in this building because the the man yes. has that um that mask on in in the earlier scene when she's doing magic and obviously the fox can't go into the building because people yeah. would be like why is there a fox here so i'm assuming that's the mom is like looking through the eyes of the, the blind woman at the table um yeah it's just such a it's so it's such strange strange stuff and I get it that the book the original book has changed but if you're going to update it like make it be a bit more sensical sensible sensible
0: yeah so Gawain's having a good time he looks at some manuscripts he chats with the lady uh she tells him that she is, you know, she that she's, you know, actually like copied a lot of the books. So, you know, good for her.
1: Uh Nicole, just um very quickly, uh so Gwen or gurin uh looks at some 100%. manuscripts. Would you describe that as having a good time?
2: 100 <laughs> percent
1: Or do you think that's just that's just a historian coming out in If Decker? Or she's like, "Oh, we got to look at some manuscripts." That boys having a good time. <laughs> Which I'm
2: pretty sure she was like, "This is not correct." When it was actually, shown. she's like, "That would be more on this century." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs>
1: he's not. He's not wearing gloves, Nicole. I can't watch this.
0: Okay, so actually is getting on the paper. Okay, so actually, they now say a lot of uh, a lot of archives actually go. say you shouldn't wear gloves because we of the issue with the oils is actually less important than the fact that that you're essentially more likely because you have like less of a sense of the like physicality of the page you're actually more likely to accidentally like rip or damage it if you're wearing gloves so most of you, Sarah, whether I've
1: got gloves on or not I am unlikely to rip any of those pages because I will not be touching them
0: Um, (laughs) I will I have yeah I know you have Sarah (laughs) (laughs) I want to go do that again (laughs)
2: <laughs> nope sorry they're just going to keep making variants
0: you're not allowed i know Stupid so are you just pandemic? you're in to america like
1: go touch one of those manuscripts that american oh no sorry i keep forgetting that's where you live anyway continue saying I
2: know. there's some old elvis sheet music that's what we'll do we'll try to touch we'll try to touch yeah. something at graceland that'll
0: <laughs> add that danger this is uh go.
1: this is the original page you
0: <laughs> will probably get love shot. Me
2: tender on
0: <laughs> Yeah, and I'll touch it, and then somebody will probably shoot me. Absolutely,
2: Um, just somebody on the tour, a good guy with a gun. You know, they're like, "How dare
0: you?" Yeah, yeah. She went
1: to touch the page. Oh my god.
0: (laughs) My god, Elvis just not is displeased. Uh, I actually have had some great conversations about like the similarity between the devotion to Elvis and the medieval cult of saints uh, with a friend and colleague of mine who works on Elvis and like music history. But speaking of artists uh Gawain gets his portrait painted by the lady which is you know just this really normal regular portrait like the kind you see all the time where it's in complete darkness and upside down just like a very normal good portrait
1: so all of my portraits are in the house here yeah (laughs) but then that's because uh uh this is gonna sound controversial I don't mean it because I know you guys are um part of the the Elvis cult but uh that's, that's the way Neil Diamond wants us to do them because uh Hale Diamond um <laughs> <laughs> the, the antithesis of Elvis uh
2: this just makes me think of my friend's uh father who died a few years ago was Aww. really loved Neil Diamond and for his birthday mm-hmm. I made him a Neil Diamond toilet seat so that's what I have to contribute to excellent Neil I, I did diamond. Some artwork. yeah i just the beautiful artworks that when you lifted the seat up you would just see neil diamond uh, and i bedazzled yeah. it he loved it
1: this sounds, sounds this so, sounds literally perfect
0: so the lord returns home with a dead boar that he seems to think gawain is gonna like take home with him which sure
1: played by and joel edgerton by the way oh yes uh, yeah Uncle joel edgerton.
0: edgerton this is our lord yeah Uncle Owen. yes but I love that yes. it has some
2: real visiting your parents' energy. When <laughs> they're like, here, take the phone with you. You're like, I don't have room. I, like, what are you giving me?
0: I absolutely do want everybody to know that I took, like, about five meals worth of leftovers uh, when I left my parents' house after Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah. Uh, my mom tried to give me a turkey yesterday. <laughs> Just, she says to me, stick it in the freezer until Christmas. And I yeah. said, you've been in my house what makes you think I can stick a 16 pound turkey in my single man living in his
2: own freezer? Uh, also
0: that you, are you alone going to eat that 16 pound turkey? Yes.
2: yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's gotta get ready to fight the green night later. Come on. <laughs>
0: But the Lord makes none of these suggestions. He just like throws a dead boar at him and proposes the his own fun game, which is that he'll go hunting and he'll come back and he'll give Gawain whatever he finds hunting. And Gawain in turn will give to him whatever he gets while he's in his home.
2: All right. Looking for looking forward to seeing Gawain give
0: him a handjob. Me too. So they have some more weird chats. The lady muses for a while upon why the green knight is green.
1: Invited him to his chambers or her chambers. Mm-hmm. But and the wind does not go.
0: No. But he does awake to find the lady in his room. She kind of smells him like a weirdo. I mean, that's how I start all my seductions. <laughs> And offers him a green girdle, which she alleges to have made, which looks suspiciously similar to the one that his mother had made.
1: Do you know, I, uh, this is what popped into my head as I was watching this, right? Is the first time I watched it, obviously. Uh, I was sitting there going, oh my God. What if somehow in his travels, he went back in time and is about to impregnate his own mother? <laughs>
2: That's why to the
0: future.
2: That's why she looks like Essel because she's like I can't horrify you and look like my actual self, but this needs to happen.
1: But that, but also I was there, but not even that. Like I was thinking, maybe the mom looked like Essel when she was younger, and that's why he's attracted to Essel, the whore, because it reminds him of his mom in some way. And then true magic means that's how she ended up looking like Sarita Chowdhury. Um, but that when she was younger, she just looked like Essel. Stroke the lady.
0: She, she also my says thought, I promise you will not come to harm, which is exactly what the mother says.
2: Yeah, and my thought was just like, oh, this is all part of their word sex thing, where they have these people go out and rob people. They take what they need from it. It's a whole thing. That's where my. Yeah. Mom, but I like the idea of impregnating your own mother. I think you should bring that to therapy next week.
1: Listen, I don't, I don't go to therapy, but if <laughs> I did, I guarantee you, whoever happens to be my therapist, he's going to hear some
0: They're shit. They're quitting. <laughs> They're just gonna quit immediately.
1: In all my years as a therapist, I have never had to deal with something like this. I'd be like, "Buckle up!" That's just up until I was six. Oh my god!
0: So, to make a extended story short, he gets a hand job, and she leaves him saying, "You are no knight with a girdle." questioned his hand, which from henceforth I will accurately be describing as the cum encrusted girdle, because we get a real excellent close-up of uh-huh. his hand covered in cum holding the girdle.
2: Or because it's a green girdle, it is a metaphor for tinsel on a Christmas tree.
1: Green right. and silvery.
2: Yes.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, there you Ingescent.
1: go. Oh, oh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um Especially just, also because we did just get the, like, line from the lady that uh, red is the colour of lust and green is the colour of what lust leaves behind.
1: It, it's such a weird... It's such a weird way to reframe what happens. In, and I know you're obviously yes. going to talk about what happens in the book, but... The, re- it wasn't that. the re-aiming... Because <laughs> she pointed it at the girl. But um the re... Aiming of this to be effectively him giving in to his lust. Um, because the, the like the way he he's like resisting the lady, and then she goes, Do you believe in magic? And he's like, All right, but I'll let you give me a handjob then. <laughs> like because that's it. That like he's effectively resisting her, and then she says, Yeah, do you believe in magic? And well, he goes, so he I wants... do.
0: Yeah. Well that so he wants the girdle right because she promises him the girdle and and in the poem it is also right that he she initially offers him something else she offers him this ring and he doesn't want that because he feels like that's too big of a deal but the girdle is very tempting because he's worried about his own mortality and so he says yes to taking the girdle but and there is arguably in the poem a way in which like that is also like linked to giving in in other ways but at the same time like he doesn't actually like he has a couple of kisses with her but it does not in fact go further than that which is not because medieval poetry is afraid to be dirty it very much isn't but it's very much like it's really kind of introducing this like inability to control himself uh, that is I think like not actually part of Gawain's character fundamentally in the poem
1: See, this is the this is the the issue I have with it um, is in the poem. He's not afraid. He's not a coward. Or he's not no. particularly a coward. His problem with and the reason he's not a knight is he has issues with being chased. And that's why the lady represents a challenge to him and his mm-hmm. new path to becoming knighthood or whatever. And this is what this entire quest is meant to be. But in this, because he's a coward, him giving in to, you know, taking a sneaky hand job, um, is is basically just a way for him to again show his lack of courage because he does it so he can get his hands on the girdle, which will keep him alive. So it's he could just
2: easily just snap, like he could snatch it. Yeah, from you. it would be so simple.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, but he needs to also get a hand job, obviously. It,
1: it also just feels like shock for shock's sake,
0: yeah, because, yeah,
1: because as you said, you two said at the beginning, when the Lord is leaving, He says, whatever you get, <laughs> I get as well. And in
0: which raises the important question, where is His hand job? Where's His
1: hand job? Where's because His in, hand job? In the, movie, or in the movie, sorry, in the, we'll, we'll get to the movie in a second, but in the play, or not in the play, in the poem, in the book, he uh, he takes a kiss, and he gives a kiss to the Lord, because yeah. whatever you take from this house, you mm-hmm. must give to me, and that's yeah. what that's what he does, and it's, it's a sign of his, like, it's a great betrayal, like, it's a smaller version of the great betrayal, to kiss another man's wife, but the fact that he takes a hand job in this just genuinely feels like a, let's throw this in for a little bit of, you know, something for the dads, like as if, you know, the, the idea <laughs> of of him just kissing her and taking the girdle isn't enough. It's 2021. We, we have to show up. him putting cum everywhere.
2: Right. And then yeah. for mom, that's when Joel Edgerton gives him a passionate kiss. So there's one for everybody. Yes
0: yeah yes uh also uh, up until this point uh, nicole and i were already like making jokes in the theater about the blindfolded woman like washing mm-hmm. during sex and then of course he like gets up holding his crumb and crusted girdle and there she is just sitting in the corner
2: which the, is I great mean, she this is absolutely his mother like she's wearing a blindfold but the judgment was crystal clear
0: oh yeah also this is this is absolutely his mother like we need to emphasize this. This is clearly. Oh, yeah, his it's mother.
1: it's his mother. It, like in I it, that character is in in the book. I think it, that's Morgaine in the book.
0: It's a, that's well, it's Morgaine in the book, but yeah, person, Morgaine. Like, sorry, was yeah. not his mother, but like that is Morgaine in the book. So I assume it is supposed to be because now his mother is working in Morgaine, the movie, yeah. So I assume that it's also supposed to be Morgaine.
1: Yeah, that's what, That's what I meant. It, it was Morgan in the, in the book, so it's it's yeah. that's who his mother is in this. So it, I'm assuming that is definitely her. So that at yeah. least is true to the book. But uh, then we get out to the Lord where he meets him, and we have another one of those. Let's have a conversation where both of us are saying things which are not like. Both of them are just. It's like seeing two people doing two Mad Lib conversations to each other.
2: Okay. And yeah. Th- I mean, come on! Yeah, so, so deep. deep, so deep, so deep. I
1: was like, "What, what, what, what did you get in the house that wasn't mine already?" Oh, I didn't get anything. Oh, whatever. And then Joel Edgerton leans down off his horse, tenderly touches them on the cheek, and gives him a, a quite, uh, I would say, you know, sexy kiss.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the lead up to the hand job, which he is owed.
1: He's one hundred percent own a hand job, and I yeah. think that Sir Gwen should be back in there jerking off. Joel Anderson, Uncle Owen, he really He needs to be blowing out his blue milk all over the place.
0: <laughs> I mean, you know, like don't don't get if you can't, you know, like don't accept if you are not going to reciprocate. I am just saying.
2: Yeah, this is why you just don't get involved in swingers if you are not ready for that kind of lifestyle, right?
0: Yeah, he Gwen wasn't ready. Gwen wasn't ready for this couple. Absolutely not. They're too much. He just couldn't handle
1: it. Too much. Like uh maybe it was just Joel Edgerton's beard, but something just pulled him off. And then also Joel Edgerton has his mom in a sack.
0: Yeah. So he he lets his mother free, the fox.
1: The fox. His mom is the fox. The fox like, don't go that way, son. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, because it's right as he kind of gets to the river that he's supposed to cross to get to the chapel, that the fox then starts in a deep, this this is very unsettling, the fox starts unsettlingly talking to him, and it is his mother's voice, and tells him to uh, bear his shame happily and turn away, and they comment in particular on the girdle, which he describes as being just a dirty rag, which is correct, that common encrusted girdle is just a dirty rag. <laughs>
1: uh sarah is this the is saying come and crusted girdle the joke that you have been
0: no no i'm not up to that yet okay this is saying come and crusted girdle repeatedly is just an accurate description
1: okay all right all right i'm ready i'm that's preparing not, myself
0: that's that's not my terrible joke the terrible joke is coming there's a terrible well... joke that, Nicole that i came up with uh two months ago that i wrote down so i could bake on this podcast wow so Gwyn shows up, Green Knight's there, he's kind of stone-like, but it's Christmas day, he wakes up, uh, you know, he says to Gawain, you came, which, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, he did, yeah. <laughs> uh, and they, you know, agree, all right, you know, come to see the blow returned, but Gawain- <laughs> Stop saying
1: come, Sarah.
0: I'm trying, it's not my fault. <laughs> This movie
2: has uh, done this. Does Ollie know about the uh, chain of gas stations we have here called Come and Go, and it's spelled K-U-M?
0: I'm not sure I have come across. Oh, God. I'm not sure I have. I was aware of this chain of gas stations, and uh, I guess I'll have to be on the lookout now for those. In fairness.
2: I was on a a trip when I was uh, teaching at that girl's school, and I was like, yeah, I'll go on a, a trip with them. And we were stopping in uh, Arizona and we're like, let's stop at the come and go. And I was just staring at the sign and I'm like, <laughs> this place is so puritanical and this is what you named your gas station?
1: Uh,
2: you I am?
0: hate this country.
1: The, the come and go is, uh, is the place I spend Christmas morning in every year. Um, <laughs> oh. it's, my, it's just my you local and Sir
0: Gawain. <laughs> Gawain bravely runs away to the sound of jaunty music. Conveniently, his horse is there, which is what I call a real neus ex machina device.
1: Oh
2: my all god. Right, we'll Sarah, later.
1: That-
2: <laughs> I was like, all right, everybody, I gotta go. I'll see you guys. I just get off the call.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, first of all, he would pun, would pick a pocket. um, But, but it's also pretty funny.
2: <laughs> it's a good dad joke
0: thank you <laughs> so he runs off home uh the reason okay this all right so I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and give it away right this is gonna turn out to maybe not be really what happens the real reason you know it's not really what happens is that he passes that fucking kid um what's his name Barry Keegan and he oh, doesn't yes. fucking stab him yes totally mm-hmm. inexplicable senseless stab him stab him good but
2: <laughs> yeah i expected that there would be some kind of revenge and i was very annoyed that there wasn't
0: i know but he goes home his mother greets him she bathes him while he is still wearing his cum encrusted girdle
1: yeah but it's not new to her because he went back in the past she had to put that cum there
0: <laughs> she knew that cum was coming yeah, it is, however, I mean, maybe new to Essel, who, uh, he can't meet her eye, but he can have sex with her, again, while still wearing the cum and crusted girdle.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
0: Arthur <laughs> dies. He, right before he dies, he gets up on his deathbed to knight Gawain. We do get a close up at this point of become encrusted girdle again, because we're very much emphasizing in this whole sequence that in every scene, he is still consistently wearing become encrusted girdle. Gawain gets crowned king. Essel gives birth to a child. Uh, they take the child, leave a few coins and like leave her crawling on the floor after the kid. I still hate her, but like that's shitty.
2: That's just yeah. her child care. What are you talking about? You know, you gave her something that she could uh, learn to manipulate. You know, you're really taking care of all of her needs.
1: Yeah, because it's it, it's set up that that's a, a double scene where he's getting ready for a wedding. She's obviously had the baby. We see him getting dolled up and ready and cleaned up for a wedding, and then we're seeing these men and and the king taking the baby off her. And then we see the bride from the back, and it turns out that's right. It's a little ginger head herself, uh, Winifred, nest, and it's it's uh, Saint Winifred. Um, yeah, and she's a, a very very beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, so some sort of lady or whatever. But I, I, where does that come out of? Like, what what the hell, Dev Patel?
0: I mean, yeah. This is, I guess, also why to me makes very clear, right, that this is essentially a kind of extended sort of dream sequence is that it makes mm-hmm. no sense that he would be marrying this like dead saint.
2: Or it's, it's just that she's like this. It's person a look who comes into to his
0: mind.
2: wasn't it just a look into his future where if he mm-hmm. keeps being selfish, this is what's going to happen.
0: And it also I think maps onto that she she kind of kept saying at the in this in that whole scene, right? She kept saying, A night like you, maybe it was you. And that by doing the wrong thing, he's essentially kind of mentally at least aligning himself with the like rapist and murderer who uh, St. Winifred told him about. Yeah,
1: because because of his lack of courage, he's never going to make the right decision. So every yeah. decision we see him make after this at this point is the wrong decision.
0: Yes. So they, they have sex. Uh, there is a shot, by the way, of him, uh, of them undressing and her attempting and being prevented from removing his cum encrusted girdle.
1: Yeah. No, my mom gave me that in more ways than one.
0: Good God. So yeah they're they're together uh he also has his son with Essel who uh does actually seem to be the kid who's like then being set up as his heir but uh the child then uh like goes to war and he dies. there's like a bit where the now, he and the now older Essel like lock eyes in the crowd and people are like throwing fruit at him, and somebody murders the person who threw fruit at him, so yeah. his brain's going pretty poorly
1: i think i think it's implied that he was worried about the the Green Knight coming back. I think so. He he basically just walls himself in in Camelot, wherever. And also, like, has
0: him. a war for some reason. I don't know. I and mean, I don't know if people are attacking him because they think he sucks, or if he is preemptively attacking people for whatever reason. I, I think
1: it's a I think it's a civil war situation where mm. people are like he's he's just up there in the castle just looking after yeah. himself and letting the rest of us starve so they're tro- starting a revolt um yeah which is what led to his son getting yeah you know, mortally wounded and Poor kid. he himself just getting people throwing fruit and dirt and stuff at him mm-hmm. and then we cut to him sitting on the on the throne and some people about to kick in the door
0: yep and uh Every, everybody else just kind of gets up and says, now nah, I'm going to go. So his, uh, so his wife leaves with their kid, his mother leaves, and he sits there. And as the door opens, he slowly, slowly removes his cum encrusted crusted girdle for the first time in 20 years, and his head falls from his neck.
1: So the first time I saw this, right, and this is not quite the end. The first time I saw this, I took it, to I was like oh oh so he did let the green knight strike him and the green sash uh, the girdle them. was keeping the head attached Ooh. and it was until he decided to give up and I'm done with life and I'm finished with life mm. and he unleashed it and the head fell off but that doesn't make sense if you see the next scene but that was the first thing that popped in my head i was like oh that was, i was thinking to myself, that's clever so he kept that's that why on it wasn't the entire true.
2: time. that's why it and, wasn't true they're like oh, yeah right. because it was
1: clever yeah uh, yeah but then after his head falls from his shoulders we cut to him still in it's still christmas day and he's still in the the green church
0: which uh as Nicole has pointed out, is really just actually the ending of Twilight Breaking Dawn Part Two. 100%, yep.
2: They just took it from
0: Twilight. you <laughs> are like gonna have this whole dramatic sequence and all of this stuff happens and then surprise, it didn't really happen.
2: Yeah, it's a future that could happen. Oh, jeez.
1: And uh, the Green Knight- Ollie, have you
0: going... seen Twilight Breaking Dawn Part Two? I,
1: I'm not going to admit to that where people can hear. Um, so, I mean don't
2: be embarrassed. Twilight. They're they're fantastic comedies.
1: Exactly. You should go I, see
0: Twilight Breaking Dawn part two.
1: I am not going to admit to that, just in case any of my <laughs> students are ever listening, never watch it. never will. Um
0: I hope your students aren't listening because we have said we have spent a lot of time talking oh, about comedy. I, usually, usually oh, I throw them out. <laughs>
1: usually i throw over. them a, a, a quick recommend oh i was on the podcast uh don't take a video with this one come on, encrusted girdle but uh, the green knight's about to land the blow and go in stops him again uh and i'm sure at this stage the green Knights get really pissed off um but he finally takes off the sash
0: yes he finally removes his come encrusted crusted girdle and uh, says yeah i'm ready
1: And then the green knight gets down on his knees, touches his face in a very similar way to the way the Lord had done. I thought he was leaning in for a kiss here and says, brave little knight.
0: Now off with your head. And then the movie ends. So we don't know if he cuts off his head or not.
1: We don't. (laughs) Did you watch? You didn't watch the credits, so you didn't see the mid credit scene or end credit scene?
0: Oh, no, I turned it off too soon. What's the mid-credits scene?
1: Well, I was assuming I was assuming you did. So because I was looking for TJ's name, so I left them running. And uh-huh. uh, I did not see this the first time I did. So we cut to sometime in the future. Uh-huh. And there's a crown just sitting on the floor. And in crawls a little girl, picks up the crown, King Arthur's crown, and puts it on her head. And that's the end of it. However, the little girl is the same little girl that he had had with Lady Winifred in his predicted. You know, uh, life after, you know, you know, the one that didn't happen. Uh
0: Right. Uh So
1: it's the same little girl. So what I was thinking is this, are they saying that even though he plucked up the courage to not do that, he still didn't marry Essel. He still didn't marry Essel.
0: No, I'm not saying he good. should.
1: But what I'm saying is he still made those bad choices. So even though he plucked up the courage to let the Green Knight strike him down, because that child was absolutely the child from earlier in huh. the movie. Who You know, to just cut to one scene yeah. of him and Winifred and the, Winifred's got a daughter sitting on her knee. It's right. the same little girl so i was sitting there going is this trying to say is this just a random thing to throw in or is this saying yes he actually did survive the green knight didn't kill him and he went on and lived but if it's that girl then that means he still got married or you know at least banged lady winifred or i mean but who was
2: dead wasn't dead of like syphilis by the time he gets back
0: (laughs) or that just honestly Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm here to do the unpopular opinion that it's not a bad choice for him to make an arranged marriage like a normal fucking king. He shouldn't marry Sarah, his prostitute girlfriend. I'm Sarah, sorry. He you've shouldn't.
1: You've been on about this for years. You keep going on about arranged marriages are the best. Ollie, they're a real you need thing, to get an arranged the marriage.
0: I'm saying they're a real. Thing. Yeah, exactly. You're like an arranged marriage. No, even nothing's, ever,
1: nothing's ever gone wrong with an arranged marriage, Ollie. They're <laughs> like, do you know, think about this you say to me. You go, Ollie say you're going out for drinks with people, is it not better to arrange it first? And I go, yeah, I get you. And then you go, but that's why a marriage works. I don't even understand your logic, Sarah, if Dagger. Like,
0: I'm I, just I, saying that marriage in the Middle Ages, especially if you are a king, is not about love. It's about politics. Yeah,
2: That's and, how and it works. This, he'll still have the same relationship with Ethel. She'll just be his whore,
0: you know? Yeah yeah i i you know i think a perfectly reasonable thing. Yeah, yeah she can still just like be his mistress he can uh, even like give her a nice house
1: ladies it's we've nice. already discussed this bottom bitch is how we describe Ethel.
0: <laughs> she doesn't have is
2: to it? be the bottom bitch anymore she won't be queen but she can have a nice little house
0: she's top bitch now
2: exactly
1: <laughs> i i just i i'm i'm yeah, just all of this arranged marriage talk. Sarah's always on about like arranged marriage. Always arrange Yeah, marriage.
0: because it, that's arrange how this, things worked.
1: That. She says, "What's the best way for flowers to be in an arrangement? Therefore, <laughs> arranged marriage is the best." I don't even. I, it's like okay, I get it.
0: <laughs> just saying, I'm just saying he shouldn't marry his prostitute girlfriend because you can't do that, and also because she sucks.
1: Are we on the Vera Falso already?
0: We are. where we talk about what the film got right and wrong
1: just just one thing sarah nicole (laughs) it's meant to be bad right i just just in case you're wondering i I, i'm not sitting here taking wow what an amazing voice i've
0: got the first one pretty quick right
2: this should be pretty quick because they got everything right
0: Uh Uh-huh, yeah, just everything. No, but okay, so I am going to, okay, so it's actually another section where I'm going to talk about the poem and its relationship or lack thereof to the poem, but Mm -hmm. actually what I find really interesting is that this film actually has a lot of, like, weird bits, which I think are really, like, interesting as allusions to real medieval things in various degrees. So first I want to talk about material culture. It is a trope that drives me insane, that people in film and film set in the middle ages have this like gray filter and like everything is gray and they're wearing like gray and brown. I really like that Gawain as an elite male would is wearing lots of color. Uh, He's got this golden yellow cloak. He's uh, got this whole like blue outfit and uh, the gold is actually probably linked to the fact that he has gold armor in the poem. Uh, The uh, blue, interestingly, is actually a color that tends to be associated with the Virgin Mary. It's what she's usually wearing in medieval paintings, and there is actually a lot of uh, uh, kind of mentions of devotion to and prayer to the Virgin Mary in the original poem. So I like that as well, and that there also is this like really extended scene of him being like garbed and armed and all of that, and that is also something that appears in the poem, even though some of the details are changed. Uh, And I will note one of the details that is changed is something of an off note from a material culture perspective in that the, so he's supposed to have a shield with this pentacle on it. And then there's this whole like related speech about like all of the different, like there's like five sets of five and the meaning of all of them. And it's like the wounds of Jesus and the virtues of a knight and all of these other things. Uh, But that because of that, the five pointed star, the pentacle is his symbol. Uh, Instead, they replace that with, this reference to the Virgin Mary, but it is in the form of a shield that looks oddly like a Byzantine icon, so uh, a bit off in terms of both uh, time and place. I would say, stylistically speaking,
1: that's exactly what I was thinking. I looked at that and, shield and I went,
0: "Yeah, that's what very the whole time.
1: <laughs> very Byzantine. And then I I looked it up because I really enjoyed the color of his cloak, and uh, that color of green is referred to as beta cook green. Um, so turns out even back then they knew.
2: He's a real album,
0: album, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also very intrigued by Arthur and Guinevere's costumes. So they have these crowns that I believe they've actually deliberately said, or they actually explicitly said, are like meant to look kind of like halos, which I think is mm-hmm. interesting since Arthur in particular has this almost like quasi-saintly function in medieval Christian culture. And their clothing, I also thought was really interesting and in that I at least interpreted it as having religious evocations. So Arthur has this cloak that he's wearing with a series of medallions that seem to like depict different little scenes, And uh, there actually are ecclesiastical vestments that are quite similar to that. And Guinevere has this whole like collection of little pins, which I am interpreting as a link to uh, pilgrimage badges uh, that you would get these like different like pins essentially different places that you go and you uh, could wear them to kind of of indicate that I've been on pilgrimage to these particular places. So- much of the other material culture elements of the film, however, I have got to be a bit nitpicky and complain that they are uh, really a bit close, uh, closer to uh, late fifteenth and early sixteenth century than they are to the early fifteenth century of the poem, which uh, I know is a difference that is apparent, I'm sure, to everyone watching a the bunch film. What about the
2: losers? Can't get any. I know, left.
0: right? so yeah so for example like the portrait the original I mean so the second portrait done of Gawain is just like weird but the first Mm -hmm. portrait looks like a like late 15th early 16th century portrait Uh, or someone ahead
2: of their time in the early 15th
0: yeah it's just somebody really styling uh (laughs) you know similarly also the so, you know, in the Lord and Lady's house, there's this one ceiling that has this like intensive vaulting uh, mm-hmm. where there is these kind of like uh, like fan shaped things sort of coming down.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, so that is called pendant fan vaulting and is very similar to the Lady Chapel in Westminster Abbey, which mm-hmm. was built in the 16th century, in the early 16th century uh, under the patronage of King Henry VII. Okay. So, yeah, again, just very, very ahead of its time. Um. Mm-hmm. Someone must uh, been friends, Sarah, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're just trendsetters setters in their weird fantasy fictional castle somewhere. <laughs> uh, however, the, manu- the manuscripts actually are pretty good. The manuscripts look convincingly, you know, like 14th century-ish. So it mm-hmm. makes sense that they could have them. And the wheel of seasons that we see depicted in the background of the puppet show is also, I would say, could be period appropriate. And uh, hand puppets are accurate to the period that uh, Mm -hmm. hand puppets like this one were very popular in late 14th and early 15th century England.
2: Well, I'd imagine that being, um, you know, late 15th century versus early is still a lot better than most movies end up doing for medieval movies, like in terms of getting it, yeah.
0: Yeah, the fact that I would say you, it's later than the poem, but that I think you could actually, based on material culture, make a pretty convincing argument for the movie kind of consistently being late 15th century, Mm -hmm. I think it's actually like, yeah, like better than most movies do, which have this just bizarre mashup of things. So the clothing doesn't quite fit into that, but I don't think they're trying for it to be, and the clothing is just sort of interesting in its own way. So honestly, not that bad right
2: but not as good as like discovery of witches
0: <laughs> oh yeah no no clearly not obviously that's you know just uh the pinnacle of accuracy
2: yeah 100 percent correct
0: um i also really like that people bathe because that's another mm-hmm. big medieval trope that like nobody has bathed and you literally don't even like wipe off the dirt encrusting your face uh speaking, so i like uh, that people are getting a witch
2: I just saw a TikTok where somebody was like, hey, I need to debunk that people in the middle ages, uh, you know, didn't bathe, they did. And I was like, great. And he's like, but, and it was a man of course, but it wasn't really bathing. Bathing would be like getting in a bathtub and that was done infrequently. When they talk about washing themselves, it was just their hands. And that stopped when the fork was invented, and I was like, "I'm just gonna keep moving." (laughs) Like I stopped watching the video at that point. I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna say I'm not a historian, but I think you threw too many things in this short in this short video."
0: Yeah, and people did. It's not like it it is like it actually uh, wouldn't necessarily be. It certainly would not be daily, a full on like fully bathing. uh, But that would be depending on class, like every week or every couple of weeks. So not never. And also in addition to washing your hands, it would also like you would wipe your face off. Like people aren't running yes. around just like with dirt. Dirty faces their and mind.
2: like very clean hands. That would be very weird. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, you know, I, I appreciate that they are paying attention to cleanliness to some degree in this. Briefly on the Green Knight that mm-hmm. I, the design is very different from the description of the book where he's just like a dude who's just all green. I kind of um, love that he was a tree man. Yeah, I really liked it. I thought that it's, was neat. Uh, yeah, yeah, and it's fairly evoking the Green Man, which is a medieval motif. Mm-hmm. So, as I said, it's a change, but it's a change that really worked for me, and I thought he was really cool looking. Yeah, that one worked. Yeah, and as I said, it like felt it felt period appropriate, even if mm-hmm. it wasn't specifically connected to the poem. Uh, and that is also true of Saint Winifred. So. St. Winifred is, uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier, right? But she's a real medieval saint. She's a 7th century Welsh virgin martyr and uh, becomes especially popular in England starting in around the 12th century. And she has this suitor, this guy, Caradoc, who beheads her in fury when she announces that she would like to go and become a nun. But literally nothing
2: uh, changes. Nothing has changed. Men
0: just are
2: always losing it when a woman rejects them.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, that's just, that's just, how, the, that's just how men are. Sorry. Um, but, in, you know, because she's a saint, uh, mm-hmm. a healing spring ar- uh, arises in the place where her head falls. And also because she conveniently has an uncle whose name is something like Buno. Um, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce Welsh, who is also a saint. And uh, so basically like he like prays or something and she gets her head back
2: okay
0: so and then she like lives a long life she began she becomes a nun she's planned she gets to be an abbess eventually she's got a great time
2: hmm yeah this seems like likely that seems
0: 100 percent true yeah no makes sense just yeah um and also i will note that i think it is very funny that even though she did not in fact die she is still considered to officially be a martyr saint that is interesting yeah It's like, oh, well, well, you you know, she was a martyr, and it just didn't take, I guess. (laughs) Uh, And also, so she does not appear in this poem per se, but there are connections. So first of all, uh, she is Welsh, and uh, the dialect in which the poem was written is uh, a Northwest Midlands dialect. So, you know, on the Welsh-English border. So she kind of geographically makes sense. And the poem even actually uh, refers to a spot called Holy Head, which most people connect with Holy Well, which is like the site of the spring that was supposed to be the spring that sprung up when uh, with a, when St. Winifred's head fell off.
1: Mm-hmm. We pronounce it Hollyhead. Hollyhead. Like, like, like Holly, like H-O-L-L-Y, even though it is Holy Head, but we, we say Hollyhead.
0: You also say Tapas yeah what's
1: what's that like
0: but yeah so yeah hollyhead and so yeah so that actually is referenced in the poem so uh, the winifred sequence is something that i actually thought was an interesting interpolation as something that is not in the poem but that has a connection to the poem which then i think can lead into the next segment the historia et veritas if ali you would like to uh, bring us in
1: Historia et Veritas. Oh, that was a good one. Uh, they're all good, Sarah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> of course. isn't is an especially good one. I think this film actually, It uh, I think it makes some choices that are deliberately somewhat anachronistic, but in terms of a lot of the visual style of this film, I think it actually does a pretty good job of evoking a kind of specific period, which is later than the poem a bit, but still, but as an adaptation of the poem itself, it is um, what could be perhaps best described as extremely loose. So let's talk a little bit about the poems Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. It's a chivalric romance written in Middle English alliterative meter. So essentially, what that means, right, is that there's just like a lot of alliteration, uh, and also that it is a poem in meter. Essentially, right, that there are specific like arrangements of syllables, which uh, dictate it, which are kind of dictated by the meter. And that's something that is, you know, a kind of challenge for people who are translating the poem in terms of whether or not they actually can and or want to reproduce that but we actually don't know a ton about the poem itself other than basically what we're actually kind of gathering from the text so based on the dialect we place it around the year 1400 and uh put it in the probably northwest midlands region but we don't have the name of the author things have been thrown out but there's nothing definitive Uh, And in fact, the poem actually only survives in one single manuscript, Cata Nero A.X., which has three other poems, including the Pearl poem, which are thought to probably have been written all by the same poet. So this is a poem that while it draws on a number of other stories, and therefore probably some aspects of the narrative would have been familiar, the poem itself is not specifically something that would have been influential in, say, the 15th or 16th centuries in England. Uh, in fact, this was this poem was not like widely known. It was just like in this one manuscript in this guy's house basically until the 19th century. So uh, since then it has received a lot of attention. J.R.R. Tolkien was a big fan of it. Uh, he actually did his own translation at some point. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, he just like that's that's just what he did it's with his uh, with his uh, well, I guess with his day job, not with his free time. I guess his day job actually was translating Gawain and the Green Knight, and his free time was writing Lord of the Rings. Wow.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a story that feels like it was written in somebody's spare time.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so the opening premise that comes from the poem, we got the Green Knight. He shows up, he challenges a knight to this Christmas game, gets his head cut off, leaves, and then Gawain follows him a year later. So that's the same. Uh, The link to Morgan Le Fay is also the same in the sense that uh, she is presented as being responsible. That's about where a lot of the similarity ends. So, first of all, that again, she's not Gawain's mother, as we've already talked about, uh, that there's a different sister or who is Gawain's mother, but they often get combined. And apparently, her real motivation for doing it, according to the poem, is that so she has this like weird feud with Guinevere, and her whole motivation apparently has nothing to do with Gawain. It doesn't really have anything to do with Arthur. It's basically just that she hates Guinevere, and she thinks that this guy's head falling off, and then him like picking him at it up and talking will freak out Guinevere so much that she'll drop. But she'll him. have a heart attack. Yeah, she'll die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And that's the entire reason why Morgan did this in the original poem. I get why they didn't reproduce that. It's weird. But uh, that is the original motivation. Uh, Then additionally, so uh, around half of this film is dedicated to Gawain's journey. And some of these are expansions on some very brief references in the poem. So that we have this kind of Hollyhead reference that he passes by. We have like this brief, like, he saw some giants... But in the poem, Gawain's en route Adventures are about 50 lines in a poem that is 2,530 lines. Hmm. So a pretty minimal element of the poem.
1: That's that's what genuine... I know we've talked about this before, Sarah. And I know when you did your episode on The Green Knight like, that I was... I, like I had wanted to come in and talk about it. It's a really good story. Yeah. And this movie takes the really good elements of the story puts them at the end Mm -hmm. puts them at the beginning and then gives you a long walk in the middle
0: yeah which I think the poem actually very much makes the right choice in terms of basically saying yeah like I'm sure it was very interesting but that's not what we're doing here and the poem is like
1: he's there he walks he sees some giants he gets wet at some stage I think that's it
0: yeah, and the and the poem is also I would say kind of it's relatively concise. Uh, so as like that's so a two thousand five hundred and thirty lines uh, the translation that I have uh, just to uh, give an example of Simon Armitage's translation is under two hundred pages, and it's actually a uh, dual uh, Middle English uh, modern English facing translation. So it's really like it's a hundred pages basically. Uh, so you can like read this whole poem very quickly. So. I do see why they felt like they needed to kind of pad things out to make a two hour movie, but it is just very much like it kind of makes the sort of balance very, very different.
1: Yeah. Well, we can talk about that a bit more in the estimatio at the end, but then yeah, like it does, it, it goes so out of its way to obfuscate the original story to make it something that it was never meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah.
0: And related to that, the thing that I actually found most frustrating are that so the scenes with like the Lord and the lady and they're in this castle and the Lord proposes this game, the game is that whatever I find I'll give you and whatever you find I'll give me. That's from the poem, and yet the whole thing gets so transformed that it seems to have, like, a really fundamentally different meaning in a lot of ways. So, I mean, first of all, there is, and we've already kind of touched on this, right, that there is certainly this kind of concern being brought up, right, about sexuality and chastity that he does in fact kind of have these kisses that are exchanged with the lady uh, that he does actually uh, give to the lord as he is supposed to, Um, and that he, and that so, and that there's, you know, this talk of this girdle, right, and this kind of conflict over the girdle. One of the things that I actually quite like in the poem, which is then completely absent, is that the lord and the green knight are the same person. Yeah is very very clear and it's actually like even very very clear pretty much immediately if you're reading the poem so that for example uh, so again to kind of use this translation uh even in the visual depictions that uh, when it talks about the uh the uh green knight it, it emphasizes his bushy green beard and then we also have a bushy beard as red as a beaver's uh, when the lord appears so that they've essentially have this kind of very similar physical appearance is just that he like changes colors basically.
1: Yeah. It's it's, in making Morgana or Morgan Le Fay his mother Mm -hmm. and having her be the impetus behind all of this story. It doesn't make sense to have the Lord as the green knight. So they invented this giant tree stump of a man and it works way better. If the Lord and lady are both the thing which is testing his courage and the thing which is testing his chastity.
0: Yes. And that they're like kind of fundamentally working together. Together, yeah. Yeah. And and it just, it all kind of like makes more sense. And is this like really kind of tight and cohesive story that then because they're introducing all of these elements I feel like becomes really muddled.
1: Yeah, it's his step towards becoming a knight in the book. And those are the two things you have to prove. That you're both brave and chaste, but yeah, that's not really what's being tested in this in this version of the film.
0: Well, and he does have these kinds of uh, tests, but it's also I think it's interesting that so like in the film also there's this elements that like okay on that you know he has like these conflicts that actually are conflicts that aren't just rooted in him being a shitty person so that for example there is this kind of like she she actually tells him not to or asks him not to tell the lord about the gift of the girdle and so then that puts him in this position right where him not giving back the girdle is actually this conflict because on the one hand according to the kind of ideas of chivalry he should you know, essentially kind of do as she is asked and keep this promise and like, and, you know, and agree to her request, but that then that means that he is not behaving honorably toward the Lord. Mm
2: -hmm. And so
0: that he is kind of put into this bind where there's actually kind of no right thing he can do. And that then, as I said, like involves him being a really, really different character and somebody who is much more kind of fundamentally sympathetic than this guy who just like sucks.
1: Yeah, see, yeah. that's that's what I was saying. Is in in the original, he's being tested. Like, these are tests mm-hmm. of him. In in this movie, they're they're not tests. It's not a test of his chastity. Like he gives in incredibly quickly and goes to the hand job. And then there's never any reason for him. Like there's no conflict when he's talking to the Lord. He just doesn't tell him about things. Whereas as you said in the book. It's a treatise on how you can basically end up in a no-win situation. You're either, uh, you're either being dishonorable to the lady or you're being dishonorable to the Lord. And yeah. it's pick the lesser of two evils. And mm-hmm. he chooses to dishonor the Lord rather than dishonor the lady. That's the choice he makes is the lesser of two evils in the book. In this here, there is no lesser of two evils. He gets a hand job. Right. He gets a girdle. And then he gets to walk off and give the Lord a kiss and and head off into the into the well. I was going to say into the night, but into the morning. Like so, it's not. It doesn't really hit the same beats as the original story, and it feels like a lesser version of the same thing.
0: And also, then the role of the Green Knight in this test feels so much fuzzier because in the poem there is this like really clear like moment in which the. Um, in which the knight basically actually like explains this, right. That he, you know, talks about the fact that, you know, first, you know, you, uh, you were twice truthful. You honored my trust. And then you did not, in fact, then honor my trust and that, you know, I sent her to test you. It turns out actually you weren't perfect, but you did a pretty good job on the whole and that you know and that there's this whole kind of conversation explanation right about this and then there's no explanation whatsoever about any of this in the film no which seems like it's like confusing for the sake of being confusing
1: yeah but again that's estimatio we need to to learn more about the actual yes
0: Yes. Uh, So the other thing that I did want to kind of bring in on the poem, right, uh, in terms of kind of other aspects of the poem, is that so this is, I think, as I said, this kind of really interesting story that I actually like a lot, but one of the less pleasant elements of reading it is that it has uh, a whole lot of misogynist rhetoric. Uh, and this in particular, in particular, actually comes up around this conversation about temptation. So and uh, and about this kind of test of chastity, that the uh, that at the end, the Green Knight basically says, like, I get it. Uh, or sorry, that um, that Gawain says, or sorry, that Gawain says basically, like, you shouldn't blame me for having fallen for this because uh, he says, but no wonder if a fool should fall for a female and be wiped of his wits by womanly guile. It's the way of a world, a way of the world. Adam fell for a woman and Solomon for several, and as for Samson, Delilah was his downfall, and afterwards David was bamboozled by Bathsheba and bore the grief, all wrecked and ruined by their wrongs. If only we could love our ladies without believing their lies. And those were fellows from fortunate families, excellent beyond all others existing under heaven. Yet all were charmed and changed by wily womankind. I suffered just the same, so clearly of my crime. So basically, it's not me who sucks, it's just women who suck. Oh, cool, I'm not,
1: right? I'm not talking about this. Yeah,
2: I, just looking at Ollie's face, he's like, no, I'm not going to be no. saying it." He's like, I'm not going no, no, to touch
0: this
1: one. Um, what, a, what terrible ideas.
0: So, I have a lot of weird feelings about this movie related to this, because on the one hand, the movie I think does have, not Essel, Essel sucks, but in the form (laughs) of, but in the form of Morgaine and the lady and Winifred, these kind of interesting female characters but it still essentially is like doing the same thing where it's like oh those awful women they're like pulling strings behind the scenes and like do, and like you know tempting you and like bothering you and like it's so hard for men to do all these things when like women keep harassing them am i right and that's kind of still happening in this movie oh, which it, it
1: definitely is <laughs> like every bad thing that happens to him is because of a woman. Like even yeah. the bandits <laughs> that attack him in the woods.
0: They added a lady. Look, here's it's a, a sh- lady, lady bandit. It's
1: a lady bandit that attacks him.
0: Yeah. So we end up then with this thing, right? Where okay, so you've made a whole lot of changes, but you've kind of still kept like the misogyny from the original. Like, all right, <laughs> that's that's a move. That's a move that you can make. Um I will also note that uh, this does pass the if Decker test, a test according to which there has to be one named woman who doesn't die. And God damn, it passes really because of Essel, because they never actually name Morgaine in the film. But Essel is, seems to still be alive.
1: This is crazy. The last two movies I've covered have passed. So The Green Knight Liar. and The Eagle.
0: The Eagle um, absolutely did not pass. The eagle aggressively did not pass.
1: What do you, Sarah? No named women died in that movie. I, I don't Yeah, because there what were like, no named
0: women. There has God to be a <laughs> no, listen.
1: <yeah. laughs> if no yeah, named women die, a... then
0: also, logically,
1: all named women survive.
0: But there are no named women.
1: There is. Selkie's no. sister.
0: No, that's, that's not a, a <laughs> no, it's not a name. <laughs> so not a name. She doesn't even have a name in the credits.
1: There is Slave Girl in home. Like Not a name. Her first name is Slav. That's a name.
0: Oh, wow. No, it is not. <laughs> Slav e Girl, that's her name, right?
1: Slav E Girl, yes.
0: <laughs> this movie, however, uh, does not, I believe, pass the Bechdel test because I don't think any of these women ever talk to each other. <laughs> I mean, no.
2: No. <laughs> Why would they? What would they talk no. about? Well, even
1: even if they did talk to each other, the only thing they could talk about is Gwen.
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like the closest we get to even, I mean, so there, well, so I guess there is like the blindfolded woman who is just like there a lot, uh, but she she doesn't actually say anything. Um uh, there is like the scene, I guess, where uh Morgan and her buddies are like doing witchcraft and maybe they're talking to each other, but if they are, they're talking to each other clearly about like doing a spell to do something with Gawain or Arthur or whatever. So it doesn't count. And also they don't have names. So
1: mm, I think you're being harsh,
0: Sarah. I'm always <laughs> harsh. I'm always <laughs> harsh. So yeah, so that is um, this movie and it's flexible relationship <laughs> to its source material. Let's just flexible. go with flexible. Just
1: like Essel.
0: but not like Gawain's cum and crusted girdle after
1: after 20 years of being a king and wearing that (laughs) thing it like I'm surprised he was able to take it off uh Sarah we should probably go on to the next section before you get to say that phrase again so uh I think it's time for Fabula Nostra where we come up with a film or show that's inspired by this one Nicole did you know this was coming up no, not at all. Okay, so I, I
2: was pretty sure I told you. I guess so I didn't. Oops.
1: Basically, you're going to have to come up with something which is similarly themed or based on the name of the movie. So I, I usually, um, usually we get the guests to go first. Uh, I, that's not actually true. I'm just saying that to scare you. I was gonna say I'm like um,
2: mm, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to go first,
1: sir. I I I don't mind. I'm gonna going make first Ollie go first. Um, yeah, it's fine. Um, Right. So I love the Green Knight, as I said, I I think it's a great story. And of all of the if we go back to any other piece of literature from around about this time, I think it's the most coherent or one of the most coherent stories Mm, in a modern text that we can really we can talk about. Um, but I'm also enamored with the fact that this was made by A24. A 24 are commonly associated with horror movies. Mm
3: -hmm. So.
1: I was thinking about the fact that the green knight walks in and lays down a challenge, lays down the idea of a game. Right. And then I thought, why not turn it into a horror movie where the green knight comes in, lays down a thing and rather than says, uh, if you land a blow on me, I am going to, I have to return and repeat the same thing and then cut to one year later because like that's that's the weird thing about it in to me in the movie is it doesn't give any of the what happened in that year it's just boom we're now at the end of the year you have to go and, and deal with your issue which is getting the same wound back that you inflicted so what i was thinking was uh, whichever of them manages to cut the green knight the green knight is going to take something of theirs and then they have to get it back so I'm thinking like a cross between the Green Knight and Saw, for example, where mm. Gawain has to go through a series of trials, a series of traps. And then in order to, in much of the same way as he's proving himself to be a knight in the original, in this one, he has to prove how clever he is, he has to prove how brave he is, he has mm. to be able to resist temptation. So it almost becomes like uh the 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 five uh I can't remember how many are the um the tasks of Hercules, for example, it, it, it's a Gwyn specific one where it's the five tests of Gwyn, and it's how you test him to become basically a knight. And at the end of it, he gets what was stolen from him. So let's just say for the sake of it, based on the movie we just watched, let's say it's Excalibur that gets stolen so Gawain has to go and take Excalibur back and that's what makes him then eligible to be the next king because he returned Excalibur to Arthur so I think Mm. that makes a much better sense you can then theme each of the challenges to one of the knightly virtues
3: Mm.
1: and you still have the same basic concept of it's a game it's still set at Christmas he still has a year and you're also then not focusing on, you know, just having somebody walk through the woods and through fields right. and through mud for two hours. So yeah, I would still call it the green Knight. I would cast pretty much. Nobody really needs to be like Sean Harris was pretty good as um, King Arthur in this. So I, there's no reason not to cast uh, Sean Harris again. Uh, I'm thinking Gwynne needs to be a younger actor because he like, in order for him not to be a knight at this stage, so you talk about somebody in his early 20s and it's, it's hard to find. Still, well, I was going to <laughs> throw that out as a joke, but I I just couldn't. So I mentioned Robert Sheehan. I'm going to suggest Robert Sheehan as uh Gwyn. I think he's a great actor and I think he could pull off the swagger that's needed because Gwyn's character, he's very noble, but also he's a little bit cocksure of himself in the, in the original. Yeah. So I think that's a, a good way. So I think Robert Sheehan could pull that off and, uh, and then you can cast him, anybody older than him, like basically him a British actor between 25 and 40. And you can cast him as other knights and background characters, etc. So yeah, that's, that's where I would go about. Um, and just for the sake of it, if we're going to be getting Robert Sheehan to be kissing anybody, let's make Oscar Isaac, the Lord, just because you that know, sounds good. We all want to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. So as I said, I, I, I genuinely think the story is a good story as it is. But if we turn it into a test for Gwyn that lasts the entire year, rather than just hey, let's skip a year ahead, I think we, we get a better movie out of it. Mm. And then, yeah. So that's why we go with yeah, the Green Knight.
0: That'd be really interesting.
1: The Green Knight and the Five Labors of Gwyn. Oh. <laughs>
0: I went a completely different route, which is, so what if you did have a movie that was a horror movie that involved a lot of walking, but instead he was walking through hell. So (laughs) essentially my thought was that, uh, I think that the idea of doing this kind of evocative sort of horror inspired medieval adaptation would work really well with Dante's Inferno. And that you can, you know, and I think that that is also like a text that is like, it's a weirdly sort of both like episodic, but also cohesive in a lot of ways. I would really love to see how like A24 deals with like going through hell and experience and all into like experiencing all the like weird like, oh, hey, here's just all of the popes just hanging around in hell. It's great. It's great. So I think that I would like to see, yeah, their uh, their take on the Inferno, and I would like to cast Daniel Kaluuya as Dante and Idris Elba as his guide Virgil, Ooh. because who doesn't want to see Idris Elba uh, leading somebody around for two hours?
1: Also, Virgil is such a good character. Yeah, like, <laughs> so much more interest. Like, not not that Daniel Kaluuya can't pull it off, but uh, he's so much more interesting than Dante. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And like, and it's also, I think, interesting in that, like, this film does have something of a kind of like, you know, question that's being brought up of, right, of like, like, reliability and honor. And so I think like, there are interesting things that are happening with that too, in uh, Dante's Inferno, in terms of just like, a lot of the ways in which we talk about like what is the difference between like Dante the character versus Dante the writer uh, and I think that would be kind of fun to uh to play with so yeah that's that's what I want to do is I want A24 to like keep doing even though I have weird feelings about this movie I want A24 to keep doing like medieval inspired like horror kind of movies and specifically I want them to do Dante's Inferno yeah
1: they're, they're a good company and they have good uh like budgets and they yeah. make them you know they stretch them to do what they need to do and they're not afraid to put in a little bit of practical effects as opposed to you know a dodgy cgi fox
0: right also there's like there's an old silent film but there's like no, there's like very little in the way of like decent adaptations of dante's inferno i mean like there's one thing that's like based on a video game that they've done recently that looks like truly atrocious um but that it's like mostly like they have hmm?
2: i said how dare you no it is pretty (laughs) awful but uh warner brothers i just googled it warner brothers just bought i don't know how you'd buy the rights but um (laughs) bought the rights to dante's inferno and they want to start interesting
0: film franchise
1: oh
2: um, oh god are
0: we gonna have a medieval extended universe
2: yeah basically that's what the article but uh intimated
1: The, the video game of dante's inferno for the playstation 3 um, Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty, or you know, that generation of consoles. It's actually kind of fun. Like, I mean, it's it's nonsense. Like, it's bonkers. Like, but you know, if you're into playing games, and you know, you don't have Dark Souls on hand until you happen to have Dante's Inferno. Let's say I, I like, I mean, I didn't finish it. It's not something that caught my attention so much, and like, I don't game and anywhere near as much as I used to when I was a kid or whatever. But um, I think I put a solid five or six hours into it, and enjoyed the five or six hours that I I whiled away on it one day so yeah if you get a chance Dante's Inferno it's, it's pretty good
0: I just I watched I watch, like, I've seen the trailer for the movie and I just like hate the idea of like Dante i like Beatrice is in hell and Dante has to rescue her I'm like oh no no a like we don't like why can't we keep the version where actually like the woman is like better than him and doesn't need his fucking help like because why is yes, this worse than the 14th reality. century original? Ugh, ugh. <laughs> Anyways, I just, don't, I just don't like that specific choice. I like <laughs> Beatrice as like, I mean the whole thing is kind of weird and that the whole like concept is like, ooh, you have an unhealthy obsession with this like dead woman who you met twice. But, uh, you know, if we're going to do that, I would rather still that it was an unhealthy obsession with a dead woman you met twice where you think she's like way too good for you versus the version where it's like, and I have to rescue her.
1: <laughs> Why in that version does he sound like Eddie Deason from Greece?
0: <laughs> I, I don't and know. I
1: have to rescue her. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know, but, you know, it it tracks. So, Nicole, do you have a, uh, um, do you have a well, uh, are you inspired? <laughs> yeah well does it
2: have to be medieval or can it just be inspired no. in okay can just so be inspired just from the way this movie was very much like dreamlike I think it would lend itself to maybe something that has gaps in it that we mm-hmm. don't actually know what the gaps would be um so you can have it be more dreamlike and so I I would take this sort of same um vibe and apply it to Gilgamesh I think that would be interesting
0: oh Oh, that would be really that would be really interesting. Yeah.
2: I have no idea who I would uh, cast as a seventeen foot tall man, but you know that's not for me to do. That's for the casting director.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there's. I mean, I don't know, like The Rock. Uh, I don't know.
2: Oh no! Oh God! The Rock? No, no. Joke <laughs> the rock. That sounds like a nightmare. No I, offense to The Rock, who I enjoy.
1: I can't. Oh, I can't picture The Rock as Gilgamesh.
2: No, um,
1: not
0: at all. I can't it picture. I certainly can't picture The Rock as, like, a dreamlike Gilgamesh. I can picture The no. Rock in the, like, Disney version of yes. Gilgamesh.
2: Like, smash him up Gilgamesh, you know? Like, yeah. Like some sort of, yeah. but I think you could do something really interesting, and especially because there's gaps in that one, you can really make it yeah. um, really cool. So it'd have to be, like, A24, but that would be the one that I would take this similar construction and apply it to. Gil- yeah.
1: Gilgamesh is one of the Eternals.
2: Oh, God. Uh, now we really need to see this movie.
0: <laughs> I know, right?
1: I was just thinking, I was going through. My head, I was like, I've seen Gilgamesh in something. Oh, he's one <laughs> of the Eternals. He's he, himself and Athena are like best buddies, possible yeah. lovers, but it's never really explicitly said on screen. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, but if you've been alive thousands of years, alive that long, I'm sure you've
0: done it a few times with all your friends. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
1: right, yeah.
0: Yeah, so with that, I think we can go ahead and rate the film on a scale from one to five based on whatever completely subjective criteria we see fit in the section called.
1: Estimatio. Uh, that's what I say rather than ratings. People say to me, Ollie, how would you estimatio this movie? And um...
0: estimatio is a noun.
1: Ah, Sarah, <laughs> god damn it! you corrected my Latin now. <laughs> Um
0: it's what
1: I'm here I, for. <laughs> I all right. Do you want me to go first?
0: Yeah, go for it. sure
1: All right. Um, I'm so conflicted on this movie because
0: yeah.
1: I think people should watch it, but I didn't necessarily enjoy it. <laughs> and the second time I watched it, I enjoyed it less than I did the first time. Because the first time yeah. I didn't know where it was yeah. going. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it, it might pull it around. It might pull it around. It's like that Simpsons gag where the pig gets fired off and Homer sees it getting like dirty. Oh, it's just a little dirty. And then it goes into a lake. Oh, it's just a little wet. Then it yeah. gets covered in hyper. Oh, it's just little hypodermic syringes. And I'm, I'm watching this going, oh, it's just a little off. It's just a little crusty. It's just a little boring. It's just a little extended out. It's just a little weirdly creepy sexually. Uh, it's just, it's just a little overdone. It's just a little silly time traveling imaginary ghost version device, uh, and it's just a silly. Let's cut the fade to black at the end after saying off with your head. Like, there's a lot to like about it. It's visually stunning. Um, and yeah. Some of the scenes in it and the shots in it are fantastic, but and TJ, I love you, but there is just so much waffle that this movie legitimately and you see fan cuts all the time and like i i know i sound like i'm complaining but there are several scenes which are just long walks and you that's just padding out your movie to make it two hours and ten minutes
0: which it did not need to be
1: which which it doesn't need to be like the movie that i watched is an hour and 30 minutes worth of movie with 40 minutes worth of weird looks or terrified views or dude lying on floor or contemplating what he's going to do even when he goes in to get the head from the lake we have to have a couple of like and again it's they're beautiful shots but their cameras underneath the water, seeing somebody jumping in into moonlight into the water. And we get to see them swimming in slow motion. We didn't need that. He jumped into a lake, swam down and got a head and swam back up.
0: But I bet if you cut out all those scenes, there'd be way less unsettling music.
1: But that's the thing is it's it's for (laughs) the unsettling music. So I'm going to give it a three out of five. I think it could even be a four out of five movie. It, it's too long for what you're actually seeing on screen. And I don't like how they messed with the original. And I'm not, you. like, I, when we get on to info for the listeners, I'm going to talk about the Wheel of Time show for a second. And I'm definitely not a person who wants to sit there and go, oh, it has to be exactly like the original book. But the changes Wait. that they made here just don't fit with the original story when you're putting this much of the original story up on the screen, if that makes sense. So three out of five worth watching. In fact, I think you should watch it. Give it a go. Um, but I will never put this on again. And that's rare yeah. I say that with medieval set movies because I would watch pretty much anything with this <laughs> vibe.
0: I also felt very conflicted. So on the one hand... I really deeply appreciate that this isn't yet another epic with men with swords. There are a lot of medieval movies. They're kind of all the same movie. Most of them are completely wrong and get and do everything poorly. And I've seen that movie and I'll see And I've seen that movie before. I'll see that movie again. And so I always appreciate when people actually do something that's different and that is interesting. So, I have a lot of appreciation for that about this movie. And I also like a lot of the touches in terms of I think that there are interesting things it does in terms of material culture. I actually really like the Saint, excuse me, the Saint Winifred interpolation. But there's just so much that I feel like is artsy for the sake of being artsy. And It's not that I think you have to tell exactly the same story as the book. I think there's space and adaptations to do something different, but then your new story needs to make sense. And ultimately I don't think this one does. And so it's not convincing me that it's doing something with this adaptation with the changes they've made that add anything. And then you added to the fact, right, that it's like, so we made all of these weird changes, but like, as we did sort of like keep the misogyny, we're gonna, we're gonna just kind of stick with that angle. Like, I actually think that, you know, another, you know, another like thing that they could have been the uh, done that would have been really interesting would have been to actually maybe like center more sympathetically some of the female characters. So.
1: Nobody wants that, Sarah.
0: <laughs> exactly. God, how how dare you have women in movies. Um. <laughs> So I'm I'm interested in like, uh, I am actually going to watch this again, I can actually guarantee because I'm going to be uh, teaching it in my Medieval at the Movies course this spring. And I'm very interested to see what my students will make of it. Um, If any of
1: your students prefer this to uh, 13th Warrior.
0: They will be watching both. I'll keep you posted. (sighs) There's
1: There's no no way. way. Thank you, Nicole.
0: There's just no way. Uh, you yeah, know,
2: I was yeah. going to do three out of five, but I think yeah, I don't need to uh, spare anyone's feelings because who cares? It's a two out of five <laughs> for me, really, if not a one. I mean, it's beautiful. But the, uh, the aesthetics are interesting, but there's an actual story there, and they decided to throw mm-hmm. that out for five pages of dialogue that was some of the most pretentious that I've ever had to listen to when they oh, yeah. just made an interesting story from the story that actually exists. Yeah. But instead, they're yeah. trying to act like they uh, are just talking down to everybody and making it, you know, so layered and meaningful when really it it doesn't do anything by the end of it, which is why it went to a yeah. two. It doesn't accomplish anything by the end. Actually, the code. Yeah, an,
1: that's an excellent. Point that's a very good point about the dialogue. Is
2: yeah. So oh my god, the dialogue.
1: The original, <laughs> the original. It's obviously written in Old English or yeah. whatever it was written in. Middle the English. And Middle English. Um and. <laughs> not old Sorry. in but the middle
0: also technically old
1: yeah um well so old it,
0: english is old english is really different because old english like no i just mean old english, in, english, in the and, sense yeah. of what old
2: is so <laughs> yes.
1: the syntax is the syntax is different and the way sentence structures yeah. are done are different mm-hmm. right yeah but if you're going to then mess with the story though it's it's like insisting on having um uh shakespearean dialogue in mm-hmm. In, in movies that are not set in that time period. You're like we don't need this. We get it. You you're an actor and you've learned how to say all of the words, but you don't you don't have to have it while you're driving your car down the freeway, right? And and also this,
0: yeah it, I mean so the thing is also though that I think the dialogue isn't even weird in the way that middle English is weird. No. Like I could see it being a fun touch, right? If for example, they decided, and I've seen some translations that do this, they decided to like have a lot of alliteration. as like a recognition of the fact that it's an alliterative meter, but they don't even do th- that. It's just like, they make the dialogue just sort of confusing, but it's not confusing in the way that middle English is confusing. But to see, that's
1: what I was saying is they've, they've gone from it being confusing because it's in middle English to it's confusing for the sake of it being confusing.
0: Yeah. like, yeah.
1: It, like for example, um, I was chatting to somebody about this yesterday uh, and I asked him about it. It was like, wh- how much does King Arthur know at the beginning? And depending on which scene it is, he either seems to know all about what's going on and he's yes. reminding, go in, it's a game and you know, this is the rules and you adhere to the rules, but then he's also shocked and confused by it. So.
0: And yeah. And I'm okay, okay, not, with, film, and I'm okay with a film that doesn't resolve every little thing. But I feel like I want to have maybe more answers than questions as opposed to yeah. like, I feel like I have zero answers and an immense amount of questions. And I feel
2: like it was made in such a way that anyone who says they didn't really like it, it's, they've built it so that they're primed to respond. Well, you just oh, didn't you get it. You just yeah. You didn't get it. It's I swear so to you, you know, to God. So did,
1: if I hear one more person, t- right. There's <laughs> a movie in particular, and I, I I'm not sure how you, guys feel about it, but it's called spring breakers it's from 2014
2: uh-huh.
0: and I haven't
1: seen it I detest that movie I detest almost every well, scene s- in it you
2: just don't get it you know All right? Right? You just And but the it. amount
1: of times I have mm-hmm. said to people I hate that movie and they tell me you just don't get it and I'm looking at them going no it's a really simple movie yeah. I just hate everything about it but I get it I understand what they're trying for I just hate it also, oh, we well, you, you don't understand the themes. No, I do.
0: Also, like, with this movie, we're all intelligent, educated yeah. people. Yeah. If we feel like we don't quite understand this movie at the end, that's... I, I think that's the movie.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, and, yeah, all it did was pose questions and had no answers to anything.
1: Oh, yeah, I understood so- this movie as well. The cops were setting up uh, internal affairs, and... <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, so yeah, I am, I am going to settle on a three out of five, but I'll be honest, like a lot of that is essentially just giving it points for at least like, I kind of want to reward it for uh, some accuracy and that I want to reward it for doing something different. Yeah. Like just in the sense that I would, I would like to see more movies trying this sort of thing that are set in the middle ages, even if this one, in my opinion, didn't quite get there.
1: Three out of five, uh, for much the same reason that i always give three out of five to ryan reynolds acting performances because he's have made some choices i'm not really sure what they're all doing but my god you look pretty doing them ryan so uh, three out of five
0: that is that is actually very much this movie so uh first of all before we as we finish up um would either of you like to share places a listener could find you on the internet if they so desired? Nicole, oh did God. you want to be found on the internet? No. Good luck. Okay, I
2: was like, yeah, <laughs> come find me on LinkedIn.
0: <laughs> Nicole is a ghost. Ollie, would you like to be found on the internet?
1: Uh, yes, Sarah, you know, I don't want to be found on the internet. And also uh, just need to remind people uh, who might not have heard me tell this story. Uh, I spent two years reading the words linked in before <laughs> I ever heard it pronounced and uh thought it oh was linked in and didn't understand it. And then when when I heard somebody going LinkedIn, I went, well of course it of course it's LinkedIn. <laughs> but I was like going LinkedIn we've had some what real
0: adventures with Ollie's pronunciation on this it's episode. Because,
1: it's because I'd only LinkedIn. ever read it and I was constantly getting asked Would you like to join it? And I thought it was some sort of weird educational related thing, because at that stage I was doing a master's in education. So it was link ed in institute (laughs) is what I was talking about. So a link to the educational institute, which is where, look, it was a bad time in my life, right? Um, uh, You can't find me on the internet, but I do a podcast at the minute with um, some students of mine, uh, they're two 16 year old girls and they're doing a podcast about true crime. So, if you ever want to hear two teenagers from Ireland uh, telling details or talking through cold cases or famous cold cases, and then every week throwing out one that's set in Ireland that may or may not be true. But if you're not from Ireland, you'll never be able to tell if it's not because <laughs>
0: I've,
1: I've sat listening I like to idea, them. just
0: fake true crime.
1: I've I've listened to them a few times, and i have like at the end I've literally had to go, like, was that a real one or was that a make a made up one? And you're like, well, they're never gonna know. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, it's got, like, so it's it's a mixture of either it's either a made up story, but there'll always be like one famous story every week, like one famous cold case or, or uh, or even just case that has been solved or whatever. Um, so it's called Criminal Finds and uh, uh yeah, so, so what's the criminal finds behavioral analyst students or something they call themselves but you, you criminal finds two,
2: two truths and a lie that's what it needs to be changed oh in. yeah i
1: would like to do that except then i would be representing the lie when i come in as the producer every week going girls you need to wrap it up also stop using swear words i have to cut them out when i edit um <laughs> because teenagers in ireland foul my young people uh I also um, have volunteered or was asked to um, do a lot of guest spots on Judging Book Covers, Megan Griffin's podcast. I know, Sarah, that Megan's been on uh, and you've been on that podcast a few times, so I'm yep. going to fill in there for a few weeks nice. while they're changing, uh, into. I was going to say internet provider, but they're changing networks and all that sort of shenanigans. So um, you can come and listen to me talking about, uh, it I, I, seems like it's going to be young adult novels, young adult, young adult novels, that um, Americans have read a lot of back in the 80s and 90s, and mm. I never did. So I'm going to be catching up on them. So I'll be reading nice. some Oral Stein and some... Uh, oh, fun. And, and, and some... Uh, some oh, what are the other, What's the other guy? Christopher Pike.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: I'll be reading some of these kind of things. So, yeah, if you want to hear nice. me talk about that sort of stuff and find them weirdly engaging in a way that I didn't think I would, so you can listen to Judging Book Covers. Um, Yeah, that's about it. Uh,
0: all right yeah Yeah. and if you have enjoyed this podcast uh first of all you can actually find both of our guests for today in the media evil facebook group you can also find the podcast on pretty much your podcatcher of choice and please do rate and review i'll read new five-star reviews in future episodes please also follow the podcast on twitter at media evil pod and you can find me on twitter and instagram at sarah ifdecker and if you have any questions or suggestions, I'd love to hear from you via email at media.evilpod at gmail.com. So, Nicole, Ollie, thank you for talking about this weird movie with me.
1: Oh, it was a oh, lot yeah, of fun. Anytime. Uh, Sarah, before <laughs> we go, can uh, if anyone's still listening, because I'm not like I'm not sure <laughs> if I ever listened this late to the podcast. Uh, the, the Wheel of Time show is on Prime at the minute. And um, I was yes. going to say... Uh, support it, give it the views, but it's the number one streaming show in the world at the minute, which is great. Um, but yeah, if if you could give it a watch, it's it's my favorite book series. The TV show is excellent so far. I I like four stroke five star show. Um, there are changes. You if you go onto the internet, you will hear book purists. <laughs> blah 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 blah. Yeah. Uh, listen, yeah. I. I have read those more than is probably technically saying I know more about those than I probably do about physics and I have a PhD in that fucking thing. So um, the fact that I would gladly say that I know more about what than I do about my actual chosen profession is a shocking indictment of me, but, uh, and yet still I'm enjoying pretty much every minute in the show. They, they've made some changes that I don't agree on. I'm not going to go into them here, but they've also made some changes which have left me guessing. And the fact that they can have new viewers who've never watched or new people who've never seen the show and the show and people like myself who are jaded and can pretty much tell you everything that happens on every page of any of the books and still hold my interest five, six, seven episodes in. I think it's fantastic. I know Sarah's been watching it as well
0: yeah i've been I really started, enjoying yeah, I started it. watching it i
2: haven't read the books so i have no idea what's coming and i've been enjoying
0: it nice yeah and yeah i've been i've also thought it's really good and uh, yeah so uh stay tuned because there will i'm sure be a future episode on that well, ollie we're not
2: we're not done with the green knight remember i have that rpg game and we will yes
0: that's true so there will eventually be uh an update on the green knight so stay tuned oh,
1: yeah That'll be awesome. All right, guys. Gotta watch. And all right.
0: Bye. Well, thank you all. Thank you for listening to Mitch. Thank you for listening to Media Evil because I can talk today. Bye. <laughs> bye. bye. <laughs>